Uh, welcome to the April 26th edition of the Medfield Board of Selectmen meeting. This meeting will be held in a hybrid format. The Board of Selectmen will attend in person and members of the public may attend in person. In addition, members of the public who wish to participate via Zoom may do so by joining by the options that are listed in the agenda that you'll find on the town website for this meeting. Uh, just a basic disclosure that this meeting will be video recorded and it will be uh, broadcast by Medfield TV. Uh, at this point, we want to take a moment to acknowledge our troops serving around the world. Thank you. Okay, the first item we have on the agenda is a public hearing on the farthest Star LLC doing business as Farthest Star Saki application for a new retail alcoholic beverages license. This is a farmer series pouring permit at 120 North Meadows Road, Suite 2 in Medfield. This is an amusement license application. That's separate. That's separate. So there's both a retail alcoholic beverages license and an amusement license application. Can we can we handle them both simultaneously? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> then uh, I take it you are here to speak. Absolutely. Uh, if you would move up to the podium and be delighted to. I was delighted to hear that we make coffee sure, here. Yeah, in so this is great. Like shark tank, then we say get a little sample. We wanted to clear the hearing. Yeah, uh, that, that's, that's up right, to yeah. you, probably. Yeah. I was so excited about potential sake samples that I forgot. I hereby declare this public hearing open. Uh, great. Hi. Thanks for everybody uh, having me here. Uh, my name is Todd Bellamy. Uh, I'm the owner and head brewer at uh, Farther Star Sake, which is New England's only sake brewery and taproom. Uh, we uh, took over 6,000 square feet in the building at 120 North Meadows Road. Uh, and uh, the front 1,330 square feet of that is taproom, open to the general public. And the rest of it is production brewery. Uh, where m most of our revenue will come from. Uh, but it would be nice to have a tap room to have uh, guests and local customers come and see the brewing process. Sake is a very misunderstood beverage, so uh, it would be nice to have people come and, and enjoy sake and snacks and have events and that sort of thing. Yep. So just because this is your first uh, foray into this and it's a farmer series license, just so you understand, the context farmers series is a specialized class of licenses for uh, beer, wine, distilled beverages, and sake, somewhere in there, uh, based on uh, local ingredients being used. So the actual process is uh, it's a state license from the ABCC to have the operation subject to local zoning. And then, so in conjunction with that, they could have tasting and sale of, of uh, pro uh, product to take off the premises. What they're actually asking for tonight that is within your purview to license is the ability to sell for sit-down consumption. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is similar to what Wheeler's Brewing Exactly, has. same thing. Absolutely, uh, and Seventh Wave as well. Okay. And Seventh Wave. Yep. And Seventh Wave has a food permit. Seven, uh, Wheeler's does not really have a right. Right. You are, which are you planning? To uh, I do not have a kitchen, uh, but we will have packaged snacks. Uh, and I was told by 
the folks downstairs that I would have to have a food permit. And I've already uh, initially submitted the stuff for the food permit. And she's going to come out in a couple of weeks and do a walkthrough. Um, but I'm only going to have packaged snacks or events that would involve food. Uh, in such an event, if they did like a chef pop-up in the brewery, uh, they would be the onus to get the licenses on them. So they would get a one-day Medfield food permit. Yep. And this, this facility that you're looking, you said you could also hold events there. Uh, absolutely. Small events. It's well, not huge, but yeah, we could have small events and, uh, you know, be open for regular hours, which would include tours of the brewery and that sort of thing. So I know some of the establishments over the years in Medfield have allowed people to bring in food. So you have like you have seventh wave right down the road. You've right. got pizza. You've got places that would deliver. Would you allow that if people wanted? To? I would. If there wasn't a food event already going on, I would allow people to bring in their own food. It's covered under my existing licensing, I believe. Uh, and so a farmer's brewery permit usually allows for that. Uh, and then the basic food permit for the town of Medfield also allows for that. Uh, so yeah, we could get pizza next door from Seventh Wave, which would be a kind of a cool synergistic thing. Um, and then people could bring in their own food. A lot of people want to do that anyways if they have small children. You know, I know when my kid was small, you know, it'd be nice to have your own snacks and not have to deal with outside food. Yeah. And when you say prepackaged, what, what, what would you define? Uh, we actually have a vending machine uh, filled with Japanese snacks. So things like uh, chips and different kinds of packaged snacks like that that have a long shelf life. But they, in this case, they all happen to be from Japan. Yeah. And maybe it's in here and I missed it. What, when's the projected date of opening? Memorial Day weekend. Oh, fun. Uh, it might not be in there. It's kind of a recent development, but I've just been waiting for the first couple of batches of sake to be finished uh, and trying to get a better handle on that. I had three questions. Uh, the first one is, uh, are you on the first or the second floor? Uh, I, there's only one floor at 120 North Meadows Road. There's a mezzanine section in the middle, uh, but the whole building is like a warehouse style building, yeah. 21 foot ceiling. So there's just kind of a single floor dwelling yeah. building. Yeah. Is that the building where uh, Seventh Wave is? Absolutely. So Seventh okay, Wave is- so there is, is a second floor on part of the building. Uh, seventh Wave is all the way to the right of the side of the building I'm in. And then there's some empty warehouse space, and then there's me, and then there's a, a business called Astra Luna. Uh, and then after that, there's a whole second half of the building, which I've never been in, but it has a mezzanine. That, that has a mezzanine floor. section, yeah. and there's okay. a dance studio, yoga studio, baseball place, uh, a lawyer's office, the hometown weekly. You know, that's what you yep. um, So the second question I had was that I saw that uh, I think that you had been a brewer at uh, Boston Beer Company. Yeah, I didn't brew at Boston Beer, but I worked for Brewing Quality. I worked for PR. I worked for a bunch of different departments uh, over the eight years that I was there. Uh, but yeah, I worked at the Boston Beer Company. So I know that there's a, a man who is a uh, um, used to be a brewer or was a brewer, is a brewer at uh, Boston Beer Company who lives here in Medfield. Did you know him? I do. Yeah, he's my old boss. Uh, he lives down the street. Uh, his name's David Grinnell. Right, on, uh, and right on Main Street, right? Yeah, he's like 100 feet down the street. And yeah. so uh, he lives at like four something Main Street. So uh, yeah, he's right there. He stopped by a couple times already to check the place out, make sure I'm doing okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my last question was, before I came in here, um, a little white truck with the driver on the right side passed me in the parking lot. Was that you? That is absolutely me, yeah. Tell yeah. me what that vehicle is. It's, it's a 1995 Subaru Sambar. It's a right-hand drive, four-wheel drive truck from Japan. Interesting. So vehicle. in Japan, every small business is built on the back of one of these trucks. It is the most widely produced vehicle in Japan. And so 
thought it'd be fun to kind of build my business on the back of one. Oh, you know? that's a very cool I also idea. live on 27 in Natick, and so the brewery's on 27 in Medfield, so it's not a hard commute. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a 95, did you say? It's a 95. In the state of Massachusetts, uh, such a vehicle has to be 25 years old to uh, register it uh, for driving because it's uh, EPA and DOT exempt. Yeah. Oh, so you, very you informative. That? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has nothing to do with being a right-hand drive. It's all just... It's all the... Yeah, you know, there's no catalytic converter, although it gets 35 miles a gallon. I think it's probably okay. And then it's uh, there's no airbags. So current state laws. It sounds very different too, but it, it looks very cool. Thanks. Yeah, it's the most useful vehicle. I've, this is all being recorded, but it's the most useful. Uh, it's the most useful vehicle I've ever owned. It's the whole back folds down into a flatbed. You can pick up equipment with it and whatever. It's pretty convenient. Yeah. So you will see me driving around Medfield often to go to the bagel place or wherever. Yeah. Great. That's it for me. Thank you. So my question. Will not have any bearing on whether we approve your license. <laughs> I don't curious, think so. I'm, I'm curious, and especially now that I know your, where you got the vehicle from, how did you how did you learn or choose to target? Yeah, before I uh, worked in the beer industry, I lived in Japan for a while, uh, and I fell in love with sake there. And then when I came home working in the beer industry, I just naturally at home I started doing more and more sake stuff. Uh, it was difficult to find sake. Uh, and so uh, at the time, and so um, I got some brewing books from Japan and started making sake at home and one thing led to another. So I was hoping that was going to be your answer. Oh, okay. I, I had one business trip to Japan. Oh. I've had sake here, which is like, I don't know, a little green and it, rough. It, it yeah, was, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. I didn't buy expensive. Enough it's film. hard to find in, good sake. In Japan, it's a whole different thing. So if that's yeah. kind of where either you learned or... Yeah. Where you're getting your information from. I'm optimistic that this is really going to yeah, be Yeah, yeah, yeah. All my information comes from Japanese, like, primary sources. And then um, I've been back several times to work in breweries. It almost doesn't taste like the same stuff you buy around here. Yeah, like anything else, there's a... Tastes like the same stuff yeah. I've been buying. Like anything else, there's a variety. It would be like uh, drinking Bud Light one time and saying you hate beer. Right? <laughs> like, you know, there's a pretty wide spectrum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Sorry, Town of Medfield. No Budweiser endorsement. This year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, then I guess we can entertain a motion, and the motion will be for both the uh, beverage license and the amusement yes. license. Yes. If if did he request uh, ours? Uh, I've, are you talking to me? Uh, yeah, did you request hours? Did you request specific hours of operation? Uh, I covered hours of operation when we initially put in our zoning permit. And then we resubmitted them again, uh, I believe, with this permit. So uh, basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday uh, would be when we're... Yeah. And that's what the ZBA gave you for hours? Yeah. That was the range they gave me. Yep. Uh, Sunday's a bit of a gray area. I figured we would ask for nine and, you know, it might not go that late, uh, depending on local business trends. Mr. Chairman? Yes. One question there. Of course. Are you, uh, who's going to be serving uh, retail? Uh, so initially, I will be running the tap room. Um, I want to get a kind of feel for it anyway, since I have to train employees to do it. Uh, so I'll be running the tap room initially.
probably my wife will be having backup in the tap room. Uh, and then we'll hire some employees after we kind of get things rolling. And are you TIP or the equivalent certified? Uh, I'm uh, TIP certified. Uh, we will get all of our employees TIP certified. They actually added a pretty recent online version. So we can get all of our employees TIP certified online. And then I will add my own layer of training that kind of goes above that. Good on legal. Yeah. Okay. And uh, this is a public hearing. Is there anybody? I don't see anybody, any questions coming in or any hands raised that anybody wants to talk with. Do we have any comments from the public or questions from the public? Check it out. Cheers. <laughs> all right. Then I guess we're ready for a motion. Here. Uh, all right. Uh, I move that we award a uh, farmer series pouring permit and an amusement license to Farthest Star LLC, DBA, Farthest Star Sake for a uh, new retail alcoholic beverage license at uh, 120 North Meadows Road, Suite 2, Medfield, hours Thursday through Sunday, 12 to 9. Yes, sir. Uh, one question and a friendly amendment. Uh, are you supposed to be the, are you going to be the manager of record? Absolutely. Yep. All right, so and approve him as manager and the and the amusement uh, licenses for what? Uh, I was told I needed an amusement license for recorded music. Yeah, okay. A jukebox or something? They uh, yeah, it's speaker system with Bluetooth. Yeah. I will amend my motion in accordance with the council, town council's suggestion. All right. can, can I second that? Okay, please do. <laughs> All right, I will. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Opposed? Uh, yes. Motion carries. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Good luck. Look forward I to seeing you. I think I know our second site visit. I know. <laughs> <laughs> see, I thought for sure you were going to want a sample just to see, like, oh, it is I, just well, like I tasted no, it. No, but I, I, that crossed my mind. I wondered whether we're going to impair our judges or the rest of the community. Probably best. Give me a month. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll be open to the Okay. After, okay. Memor after Memorial, Memorial Day, you said. Memorial Day weekend on the spot. We're okay. gonna open. Does the parade go right. by there? Yeah. Huh? I'm kidding. No, the parade <laughs> used to go by there. <laughs> so, so basically, anybody applies for a license, they get one free advertisement at the, uh, at the Board of Selectmen. Okay. <laughs> we cover all there of There you go. So. Perfect. All right. Appreciate your time. Okay. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for coming. All right. The uh, second. Oh, and I uh, hereby close the public hearing. I guess I didn't technically do that. Uh, the second is a continuing uh, public hearing for the following solicitor license applications for Power Home Remodeling, Justin Palumbo, Samuel Krajewski, Matthew Heaney, Isaac Elkori, and Andrew Gingras. If we have them. Justin is here. Justin is here. joining the meeting now. Okay. On behalf of all of them? Uh... Yes. And did they resubmit? Absolutely. We going off last week's. Last week's, yeah. Because we continued the hearing. Okay. So it looks like Justin. I see him live on the screen. Welcome, Justin. Uh, assuming you're off mute. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. There you we go. Okay. Uh, so we we continued the so we opened the public hearing last week. Continued it because there was nobody out to talk. To the yeah, application. I'm sorry about that. I was sick, sick last week. week. It's okay. Uh, well, it's still open, and it looks like you're the one who's here to talk. So, uh, if you could just give us a rundown on what you're doing, what you're asking for. 
Yeah, so I'm Justin. Uh, I work with Power Home Remodeling. Uh, so basically, we're just leaving free estimates on like windows, siding, uh, gutters, trim. Uh, so we go door to door um, and just go from like areas that we have done work in previously. Okay. Um, any questions, Eileen? We saw we have your applications. There were the periods of uh, the requested periods of authorization were all different, or most of them were different. Uh, where I believe we're entertaining the shorter of the two, which was for two months. Which thing died? Yeah, 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 yeah. until the end of June. Until the end of June. Okay. So that's the time frame that's being asked for. Okay. Yep, yep. It, and then, Justin, are you leading your team for all, all the other gentlemen that have put in applications? Are they reporting into you? Yes, ma'am. Okay. The police background checks okay? Yep. Hours? Well, yeah. Pete, do you have any questions? I, I wondered what the hours that you were going to be soliciting were. Uh, 12 to 6, sir. And which, uh, how many days a week? Uh, Monday, uh, Monday through Friday, and every other Saturday. Uh, any other questions, Pete? No, that's it. The only, the only uh, important thing I think that I can think of on this one is that before you go out to an area, you should let the police department know you're going to be there. Uh, what often happens with the door-to-door -door type solicitations is people see in a neighborhood a stranger walking through and they call it into the police. And uh, so if the police know you're there, it'll just make your, it'll probably make the neighbors more receptive to having you there if they get a good answer for who you are and why yeah, you're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, uh, we'll do that for sure. Okay. I don't think I have any other questions besides that. Uh, you'll start, you're going out through the end of June. Is it starting in May or when, when do you actually start? This weekend? Um, so, so no, so we're in Franklin right now. And then whenever we finish with Franklin, it could be like a few weeks or so. Okay. So, sure exactly. so somewhere early to mid-May is probably. Yeah, probably, probably, right right probably right right mid-May, I would say. Okay. Uh, do we have a, we have a question from the floor. Sure. We just put the microphone near Bill, and that's a good place to start it. That's just um, just curiosity. Some of the names of the solicitors seem familiar to me from Medfield families. Is anyone from Medfield, or are there is is that just coincidental? Um, I don't think anybody on my team is from Medfield. Okay. But I know uh, Jingris, is, Jingris is from uh, North Attleboro, I believe. So kind of close. Okay. I just nice, didn't know if there were. There. Yeah. Okay. Where, where is your company actually headquartered out of? Uh, Rain Waltham, sir. Waltham, okay. Any other questions? Any from the online public? Okay. Uh, I guess we can entertain the motion. I would move to award a solicitor's license yeah. to close power. Hold one, please. You want to close this one? Should I close the hearing before the Yes. Motion? Okay, so I will close the public hearing. Thank you. Now I'll uh, now, we'll now I'll uh, move to off to uh, uh, award a solicitor's license to Power Home Remodeling, including Justin Palumbo, Samuel Kajuski, Matthew Heaney, Isaac Elkery, Andrew Gingras, running to the end of June for solicitation, twelve to six p.m. Monday through Friday and every other Saturday. All right, I second that motion. All those, all those in favor. 
Aye, aye. aye. Opposed? Okay, motion carries. You're all set. Thank you guys so much for coming. Thank you. Yep, thanks for coming in. Have a good night. Okay. Uh, let's see, next item on the agenda is a continued discussion of the warrant articles. We, at, at last week's meeting, we dealt with all but four of them, articles 14, 18, 19, and 20. Uh, so I guess the first thing we do is start with article 14, which is the, uh, which was the uh, building, school building committee bylaw revision. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess we'll let you start. If you have any further comments. No, I mean, I think you opened my eyes to something I missed last week, which was it, it, uh, with the Board of Selectmen being asked to assign four, but then four of the four, two are being delegated as to where we should go with it. Uh, I just question, should we be delegating two and, and someone else be taking responsibility for the other two? Um, or, do we, or are there really four that we should be delegating outside of the guidance from... Um, mm -hmm. So I, so I, I appreciate you opening my eyes to that because I missed that. Because as you said to me last week, it's not just about what's happening here. It was three people, maybe five people will be sitting here five, six, ten years down the road, and they may ask, like, why, why are we being designated to automatically assign? So I, I appreciate you bringing that forward. I was fine with it last week, and I'm still fine with it now. And in my case. Uh, I have a bigger issue than I had last week. <laughs> so, uh, so let me cover the bigger issue. The thing I had not appreciated last week when I read the revision is that the committee has deliberately decided to establish a school building committee completely out from under the jurisdiction of the, per of the permanent planning and building committee. Oh yeah, Megan. I totally that. missed that yep. when I went when I reviewed things. Um, so there's a number of specific details in the bylaw revision that I, I had issues with, but then I realized this week, and what I, I'll come back to it in a second, what I realized this week is there was a far bigger issue that, that has me uh, concerned, which is that we're moving, creating this autonomous school building committee, reportable to no one, partially defined by the permanent planning and building committee bylaw and partially not. What I'd anticipated is that there would be special provisions added to the planning and build, building committee mm -hmm. for the circumstance when we were dealing with a school project. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense to me for to establish a, plan, a permanent planning and building committee, which I think we did in 2018 in order to bring a level of coherence and thoughtfulness and bringing people with the right kind of background to the table to guide us through developing buildings and then carve out those buildings that are the most expensive, arguably the most critical in town mm -hmm. and pull them completely out from their jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense to me to do that. Uh, so that's my a fundamental issue that I now have that mm -hmm. was over and above the details. Having said that, I was probably a little chippy in my comments last week because I literally read this just before this meeting, and I was kind of reading it quickly to rush out the door. Um, and so my, my comments were probably a little gruffer than I now feel about things. The main thing, last week I was sitting there saying, you're gonna make changes like this, you have to vet them. You don't just make these wholesale things and throw them into a warrant report. I've talked to the moderate, town moderator, and I understand there was a, 
there was a whole sequence of communications from the Board of Selectmen, I think from the town administrator, from the town moderator, and the basic time frame that this committee had to work in with a specified deadline that says, whatever you got, you got to get it in time for us to get it into a town meeting war that has caused me to back off on, it is something that should have been vetted, but I don't fault the committee for sure. not doing it. I would also say that I watched the hour and 41 minute uh, recording of the committee's April 4th meeting. Uh, and I was very impressed with the sincerity and the diligence that they, they brought to the table in trying to figure out how to reword this. Okay. So a nothing that I'm saying in terms of the concerns I have about the revision should reflect poorly on the members of the committee. 100%. Uh, however, there are flaws in the, the revision as drafted that I think need to be corrected. Uh, I have sat down with the chair of the Warren Committee because there's also concerns on the Warren Committee that the revision as it's been drafted is not really the revision that we need. Uh, and what we discussed doing was putting together an amendment uh, predefined pre before the meeting not to so not just torpedo this thing, but mm -hmm. basically suggest the revisions to this bylaw that would make it a more effective bylaw going forward. So Good. in my case, I am against the article as it is in the word report. I am not against the direction that the article is trying to take, and I'm optimistic that we'll be able to at least offer an amendment for consideration by the taxpayers that I think will address the issues that I have, and the Warren Committee has a different set of issues, but I'm optimistic that uh, we'll be able to put a little more, uh, a little more feasible and probably a more effective amendment for this on the table. One of the, one of the glaring things is that the members, uh, as it's written right now, the members of this building committee have three-year terms. Well, we probably are only going to build schools every 10, 15, or 20 years. So I, I used with uh, with the discussion with the chair of the Warren Committee, this is kind of like the members of the, build, the school building committee. It'll be kind of like the cicadas, you know, the 12-year cicadas. They'll emerge from the ground once every decade or a decade and a half. And, and that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, that's kind of the direction of my thinking. That's the reason for it. Uh, my comments here are not intended to trash what the committee did or to suggest the entire revision is outrageous and unacceptable. It's that I think that with an amendment that we may have a, a more suitable uh, bylaw. And there's a meeting tomorrow night. Will it be discussed tomorrow night? So uh, they will be discussing it tomorrow night, which I think will clarify what the, there appears to be a split on the Warren Committee. Uh, this will clarify how that split occurs. Okay. And then I've, based been, on I've that, been asked to attend. You have? Okay. That's um, great. Uh, so they, they I'm, I'm pretty sure they won't flip. I think we definitely have an effort to create an amendment. How the Warren Committee comes out on that, I don't know. Okay. So uh, I think, so, so basically, this is a discussion again, this is not a formal vote. My vote right now is to recommend dismissal of the article, but you both should understand with the understanding and anticipate there will be a pre-documented pre amendment that will address concerns so that we'll be moving to amend it. Not, Good. It's not a deep, deep philosophical 
disdain for the idea of having this revision. Do you have some idea of what the amendment's going to be? Um, the, well, I think I think from my the short answer, I guess, Pete, is no, because I don't know fully what the Warren Committee's concerns are. I saw some of them, uh, and off the top of my head, they kind of map a little bit onto some of the concerns that I had, but they had a few others beyond that. I think initially what I saw, they were just as an example of something that they initially had a concern about that I don't think needs to be that great a concern. Um, in a way, the revision largely moved the, the, the Board of Selectmen out of the process. There's a provision that they can be there, but they really have been pulled out of the process. They had an initial concern that the, that the Selectmen, who, who would be a representative on that committee, would, wouldn't, be, would, wouldn't be on the committee, therefore the Selectmen would have no vote. I don't have as big a deal about a representative from the Board of Selectmen being on that committee in a non-voting capacity because I've always struggled with when I'm the rep on a committee making recommendations that come back to the Board of Selectmen. Right. It's, it, I don't think there's a rule against it, but it's a little awkward to both vote on the recommendation and then you vote on approving the recommendation. Yeah, how do you... So, yeah. yeah, you fight against yourself. You vote right. yes and want to know the yeah. other. Yeah. On the other hand, when I think about last year, had we not had a representative on the committee, I think it would have been a much harder job for the building committee to present its case for approvals along the way because we wouldn't have really been read into the process. There was a certain amount of, there would be certain issues that if you weren't in the process, you'd have questions about. But if a fellow member of the board was there and said, yeah, we talked about that, and this is what it's, that kind of that makes allays sense. your concerns in a way that having the committee members just come and say it's not going to do mm -hmm. it. So uh, that was that was one, but I, personally, I wasn't hung up on the vote issue yeah. because of that awkwardness of having the board of selectmen approve a recommendation that a selectman voted on already. Yep. So that, that piece wasn't a problem. So I basically am technically against the article as written. Okay. Uh, I support, I, I, uh, I second that. Same spot. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Oh, so you feel the same yes, way. Yes, feel the same way. Hey, I'm, I'm fine with it the way it is. So two to one, we're recommending dismissal of the article with the understanding of the other exactly. coming in. Yep. And with no derogatory comments on the job that the committee itself didn't draft in the revision. Okay, that's 14. Yes. Yep. Good question. Sure. Um, Chris Potts, I don't know if there's anyone tuning in tonight that is actually on the bylaw review committee that might want to provide any additional perspectives. There's a couple. Russ is on, Carol's on. They can, if they'd like to speak, I mean, this was the main purpose of tonight's uh, discussion was just to have a have a recommendation coming from the right. board of selectmen so and the, that committee is actually posted to meet with the warrant committee tomorrow night so yeah. they may feel more comfortable okay. talking as a yeah. okay but i guess the question is in terms of just sequencing it would, it would seem to me that voting on a dismissal would be more helpful maybe after the warrant committee i mean you can't the time you can't change the timing but you would get more information at that point i also i mean i do ha definitely have concerns about having a draft that no one's going to be able to see until the floor of town meeting to be able to look at it and review yeah, it. Yeah, I did too. I did too. That's why I asked, I talked to the town moderator and specifically asked that question 
would it be better for us just to have a straight up or straight down vote on the article? Or are you prepared to handle an amendment live in the open meeting? I, I, I agree with you, uh, Chris. I think the only thing I, I don't think this is like a massive rewrite. There's some, there'll be some very clear changes and some clear rationales. Uh, and the only thing that Scott had said is, look, if you're gonna do that, I don't wanna process individual amendments on specific items. I'd rather have a single written amendment that people can look at. So I think that's fine. Yeah, but I think when you consider that this committee met five times each time for one and a half to two hours and put a lot of thoughtful discussion points into e even the smallest points that they talked about at great detail. It's kind of, you know, it's just a little bit disingenuous to then all of a sudden take it out of their hands and put it on the floor of town meeting and not have the same ability to sort of dig into the rationale as to why, or to understand the rationale as to why it was worded a particular way. I'll also give you one, the other correction too, is that the terms, the term limit, I don't know whether you were talking about the school building committee members or the permanent building and planning and building committee no, members. No, the, the, the three year term is only for the permanent, it's not for the school building committee. The three year. I'll have to read it again. Yeah, I, thought, it's, I thought my reading of that was it was the school building. So no, if that's true, then I, I take back that comment. Yeah, it's for the life you of know, the project. Chris, if this was done the way it should have been done with the kind of changes that, that were made, uh, under normal circumstances, this should have been very carefully vetted with all the affected bodies. So it's not their fault that it was a short a period of time. It's not our fault that it's that short a period of time. The only thing to do at this point is we have an article. My, my hope actually is that the amendment that we have, it might be that the committee itself would say, okay, we understand why you're doing what you're doing. And we understand, you know, maybe it's not the way we thought about it, but we recognize how you've changed it. And we and now that you've told us why, I haven't, I haven't completely ruled out the possibility that the committee itself would say we like the amendment better than what we came up with. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm just curious too, how do you know that there was a split vote? Because they didn't actually vote at no, the last I, I meeting. Don't know if, you mean you the warrant committee? Yeah. Uh, when I talked to the when I talked to the chair of the warrant committee, she said there might be a minority report. So I assumed it was a split vote. I don't, they I mean, didn't really vote. They didn't really weigh in their waiting well, I, to hear I, I from think, the committee. So they probably, have, yeah, I mean, I know they didn't vote, but they probably have a sense that we have, like the same thing we did. We, we talked about this last week, and I had a sense of where we would come out. So if you're saying that they do a formal vote, no, I guess they're going to do the formal vote. I mean, I was there. If you're the chair of a committee, you want to know where you're Yeah, but I mean, I was there. I didn't even get a, I mean, I got a pretty good sense of, I didn't get a sense of how they were leaning one way or the other. They were against it. No, I didn't have a. I just had a conversation last night with someone who's against it. No, no, no. I didn't have a sense. I didn't have a clear sense one way or the other. I didn't. Yeah, I think they're. I got the clear sense they wanted to wait to hear from the committee tomorrow. That was what I got. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, certainly if the committee has a compelling case to make to them tomorrow and I find out on Thursday morning that everybody's changed their mind, they're all on board, that could entirely. They, they haven't taken the vote. Right. So, absolutely, that could happen. Can you, Gus, for the benefit of the, all of us, um, can you go into some specifics about the objections that you have about the word, that aspects I, of know, the amendment? I didn't really come prepared to go into, I, I mean, I have some detail. I'm actually doing a Word document with various comments. 
My major concern now, which wasn't last week, was completely ripping the school building committee out from the from the permanent planning and building committee's jurisdiction. I, I there was nothing in last year's article that said that would be something to do. So I, I didn't even see that one coming. Uh, and the reason I care about that is that presumably we have some of our best people in the building, you know, in the area of town buildings, they're on the permanent planning and building committee. So the idea that we would basically almost exclude them doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I, I had some issues that I expressed last week about the, 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 the degree to which the, in the case of the selectmen, that the, the, who we would designate sort of was specified. Uh, and I objected to the ability to the, the idea that our own discretion about figuring out what the most important issues affecting because remember this is a bylaw this is not just a bylaw for this next project right this is a bylaw Absolutely. for these pro for yeah. projects going out until somebody forms a committee to revise the bylaws again. Um, I can see circumstances down the road where some of the specific issues we told we were told in, the, in that draft that we had to consider. Those might not be the issues. Mm -hmm. Traffic could be the issues. Water could be. I mean, we had all. There's a lot of different things, and the idea that some, you know, that basically the selectmen either aren't viewed as being able to exercise that kind of judgment, or we shouldn't be given that leeway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I objected to that. Um, I think I also mentioned it. Talk, it the, the planning board. It talked about the interests of the planning board. Uh, I object to the word interests. The reason is committees, town committees and town boards have responsibilities. Interest confuses me because interests, if, if it's anything other than responsibilities, people on those boards should keep their interests out of the consideration. So I have a problem with that specific word. And then tied to that was the reference to the townwide master plan and it's in the interests of the townwide master plan without limitation. Those words, A, the townwide master plan is a document owned by the planning board. They're the ones who approve it. They're the ones who internalize it uh, and they accept it. It's an inanimate document. Inanimate documents don't have interests. And then I didn't even know what without limitation meant. So that, that, that raised an alarm bell for me that somebody who had an agenda was influencing the words of a bylaw in a way that was not pro appropriate. So that's almost wordsmithing uh, because it's not like the planning board owns that plan. So mm -hmm. the planning board is going to use that plan as they see fit. Uh, so there were there were some things like that that I that and I think like I'm going through in more detail now. Uh, those are the things just right off the top that's of my head that jumped out. Yeah, that's very yeah. helpful. Thank yeah. you. I, uh, yeah, I think maybe a little bit of it is to make sure that we don't over distort the bylaw based on last fall's experience mm -hmm. and poison the well for the next 10 or 20 years of school building projects that we might have. That doesn't mean we're not responsive to what we learned from last fall and we don't think about how our, how our bylaw revision, particularly like the thing I'm sympathetic to is the you know more built in public participation around literally the representation of the, of the committee. So um, one of the things that the Warren Committee raised was the provision of a member being 65. I, I think it was a legitimate legal issue. Can you specify a minimum age for someone 
you probably actually have to talk about who it is that would nominate someone. I think the intention is to try to represent the interest of the more senior people in town. It might make more sense to have it be the COA figures out who needs to represent those people, not have some sort of specific demographic requirements. So that, that was sense. that was the one that uh, I hadn't thought of, but I agree with. So. Uh, let me go there. I'll go there, and then she started talking first. Then we'll come back to you. Mike. Go ahead, um, uh, Mike. Microphone Mike, over sir. there. Hi, just in terms of uh, it's Jess Riley, and uh, this is my personal view at this point. But one of my concerns is that when I look at um, the section, if if the school building committee section kind of remains in there, however we kind of rejigger this, uh, there's just some kind of um, budgetary issues, you know, that somehow the the school department is supposed to pay for certain parts, um, which I would hate to see put into a bylaw because, quite frankly, that belongs to the school building committee and the feasibility study. Um, and if we were to put that into bylaw without correction, that would just be something else that we would have to go back and Recorrect. So I think that there's some kind of attribution issues there in terms of what a school committee is, what a school budget is, and what a school building committee is, and what a feasibility study should do. So I just want to make sure that we're all aware that there's, beyond just the basic wordsmithing, the consequences of some of that wordsmithing. I also have to say that I, I would be concerned about putting an age limit on who gets, who is asked to be part of a, a building committee or anything else. I think that that, again, I would go to your point of the COA being able to have a representative there, but otherwise it just smacks of ageism to me, quite frankly. So thank you very much. Again, yeah. that's my personal opinion yeah. at this point. I think your comment, Jess, that was, there is a provision in the draft that basically talks about who takes, who has to take minutes. And that's like, that's not bylaw level so this is that you know some of that stuff is almost tactical wordsmithing yeah, yeah I think it, I want to reemphasize the context here at the risk of being repetitive because it's critical that everyone have that understanding going in to understand what happened before and to avoid it going forward so you can have a local bylaw. That being said, if you're going to go the MSBA process, they have a specific, they have regulations. Included in those regulations is a requirement for setting up a local school building committee for a particular project. And they have criteria for who's supposed to be on it. They leave it to you. First of all, if you have a bylaw that complies more or less, they'll consider whether that satisfies their requirements. What happened here was, in our case, going back to last year, or earlier even, when this project first got going, uh, our people on permanent building, uh, Mike McQuill, uh, Quinlan in particular, recognized that our committee as, as constituted was too narrow, it would not meet their requirements. And so then it was, then it was up in the air, we were under the gun, and ultimately the committee was set up on an ad hoc basis, the building committee. So MSBA has specific criteria which this 
review committee had accessible to it and tried to address. Uh, they will leave the specifics as far as, and they're very specific as to recommended composition. They leave how people get on, whether they're voted or not voted, all that stuff. They don't address that. They they leave that to you to work out. But but they do have a lot to say with what the makeup and composition is. And so I know that the committee had available to it that regulation and reviewed it, uh, as did uh, former BOS Chair uh, Marcucci when he drafted a uh, what I thought was a simple but uh, workable uh, amendment early on, uh, but you need to be aware of that as you are trying to uh, wordsmith. Yeah, the stuff that I think I reacted to wouldn't be that kind of stuff. I, I had sort of, I assume the committee knew about that, but was drafting a bylaw which was not exclusive to MSBA school projects. So right. basically, you have a school project that right. says, "Well, if the MSBA participates, maybe they'll, you know, maybe they'll." There is, there is, things. there is saving language that was inserted in my recommendation because I think it's a prohibition on board of selectmen themselves serving. Uh, and in fact, that's an MSPA request. No, no. In in this, I believe there was. It was, yeah. It, uh, and the B and in fact, uh, the MSBA has select people listed as. Uh, mm, so that. So that's why there's language in there that if there's any restriction, uh, then that then the MSBA would trump the specifics of the local regulation. As I said last week, the thing that I got a chuckle out of on that one was the very one of the early provisions is that no town employees can serve on the committee, and the three of us technically are town employees. So. I was going to say the entire thing. Just, uh, <laughs> right. School so, committee member. Yeah. So, well, in particular, well, we're paid employees, though. I think that superintendent and principals, and again, those are people that are called out by the MSBA. So. Yeah, I, I, personally, I didn't have major heartburn with the people that couldn't vote. I was more focused on people who couldn't be on the committee. That uh, I, I never, in my experience with committees here in town, the distinction between the ability of a non-voting member to influence the conversation on the committee versus the actual formal votes of the voting members of the committee, if anything, sometimes gets fuzzed up more than perhaps is... Uh, completely justified, but but I like, I'd rather err on the side of more democracy than less, so it's okay with me. So Gus, a couple of comments on your, uh, on your uh, presentation. Um, I don't think there's anything that stops members of the permanent building planning and uh, a building committee members from being appointed to the school building committee. So I, I think, and that's pretty much the same situation that we had at the last go around. They, they weren't the same committees, but they, a lot, there was a, a lot of overlap. So you could certainly appoint the people who have that expertise in building architecture, whatever. Yeah, I'm not um, sure that's right though, Pete. The last school, the school building committee we had last time around, there's a provision in the bylaw that the permanent planning and building committee is allowed to delegate to subcommittees, other departments, or other authorities. And so I viewed the creation of this past school building committee as a committee that was effectively spawned by the permanent planning and building committee to be the, you know, they, they may have chosen to do that because there's MSBA requirements, or they may have chosen to do it just because school projects are so complex and significant that it just isn't the same as a normal run of the mill 
but there I, is such a thing. But I think I, you get to the same the same result in in both situations. So I, I don't find that a problem. Um, I, I don't well, find, you find you wouldn't find it as a problem keeping that under the jurisdiction of the permanent building committee either, right? Uh, I mean, what, what would the problem be? I hadn't thought that through, so I, I don't know. Um, uh, that probably could work, um, but uh, you certainly don't want to exclude your your uh, your people that have the expertise. But it, there's no prohibition here that they that they wouldn't get appointed, basically. So that I don't think it's a problem. I also uh, I don't have a problem with the language in here about the planning board interests and the townwide master planning interests. I don't think that that's I mean that's just word smithing that we don't need to do. I think so. I think it's worse than we do need to do, but <laughs> yep. but um, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, you know the, the one just to the point, Pete. It, it, the, Disagree. <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. Um, the issue of the jurisdiction that in the draft as it's been written, the actual school construction project is carried out in the in this draft by an autonomous school building committee. However. All of the other responsibilities for the schools around the assessment of the current status of the schools, that still is left with the permanent planning and building committee. So there's not a clear, it's not like schools are completely the responsibility of this other entity. And my biggest issue with that other entity is it's an entity that appears and then it goes away and it goes away for 10 years. And then it appears where it seems to me if it came out of the permanent planning and building committee, there's a continuity there mm -hmm. that probably leads to a more effective establishment of that special committee. The other thing is, and maybe we don't get this as thoroughly as I would like us to get it from the permanent planning and building committee, but I'd like the planning side of this to be a little more coherent around the strategic direction of the town's major capital building projects. And what I'm, what I'm reacting to is that during the last discussion, when the Dale Street School reuse came up, all of a sudden there were incremental ideas about how Parks and Rec could use part of that building. Mm -hmm. Well, that was a pretty ad hoc set of ideas. Maybe they were good ideas, but I would have preferred to have known that the Permanent Planning and Building Committee had said, listen, we know we've got this big project here, and we think it's going to be this big for the school. Therefore, this is when we think the town should be looking at the, dealing with the parks and rec facility. This is it's it's kind of like that strategic roadmap, uh, which to me is the planning side of the permanent planning and building committee. I'd actually like to see that committee do more to help us navigate the strategic path that we're going to follow. Uh, than I think at least than I saw in the discussions that took place last fall. Yeah, I, I mean, I would like the town to be doing more planning, but it, it becomes problematic because we have such a small town government, basically. Yeah. It, it's difficult to spend huge amounts of time on. So it, I mean, we've got a document that looks forward to 25 years of, of building maintenance, but it's very hard to really pinpoint those, those things that we're going to need to do in each year. So at any event, this amendment, I think, won't be like a major blow the whole thing up and right. redo it. I think it, it will, people will be able to see what the changes that are being proposed are. They'll be able to make their own decisions on mm -hmm. which one they like better. 
Uh, and as I said, I'm, I'm not sure that if we do it, that we might not even find that the bylaw review committee would say, I understand what the issues are. Yeah. And I can see how what you've done makes it a more longer range and effective. I, I, I would rule that out. Right. Um, and I feel that way, not because I know it's going to be such a great amendment, but because I saw the sincerity that they, they brought to the table on their, on their for April 4th meeting. It's like, okay, they're trying to figure it out. Oh, so yeah. I would think they'd be open-minded and get whatever we get. And as you yeah. said, they've been given a crazy short window, yeah. right? Yeah. And they're they're very busy people themselves to right. sort of dedicate all the time they have. Right. You know. So anyway, that's that's that one. Uh, so that one we're basically recommending two to one recommend dismissal, but it's kind of like without a whole lot of teeth gnashing and anger. Uh, next one is the uh, Article 18. And uh, Jess, you're here, so I will. I will. Uh, would you like to start, or do you want me to start about the conversation? Well, I've been awarded the microphone, so <laughs> I know. Thank you. No, Gus. Actually, if you'd like to start, yeah, and then so I can just uh, kind of add on that so we I, anticipate I, a meeting. I sat. I sat down with Jess and uh, the superintendent this afternoon. The issue that I think was plaguing me around us voting one way or the other on Article 18 was the fact that we had not formally received a request from the school committee, voted on and approved, asking for the money. Right. Uh, so I talked to Scott McDermott uh, over the weekend and I said, Scott, uh, we kind of have a you for the best of reasons in good faith put in a placeholder article. That placeholder article made it into the warrant report but technically never had been formally approved and requested. So as we were a week away from the town meeting, I suddenly said, well, wait a minute. Uh, we're co-sponsors, but we're not the lead sponsor and we wouldn't sponsor it alone. We're co-sponsor providing support to the school committee. The school committee asked for it. And technically the school committee has not yet asked for it. Right. So the case I made to Scott was what we have is a ghost article here. There is no sponsor. There is no article. It happens to be that it's printed in the warrant report. Mm -hmm. uh, Scott first thought that uh, it would be a motion to dismiss. I pushed it harder and said, no, if there's not a sponsored article, it's a withdrawal. And we agreed that we would talk to you about that. But after the conversation that we had this afternoon, uh, what it looks like will happen, and, and I think, uh, Jess, if I, if I can speak out of, out of school here, well, it's not out of school, that you, the, the chair of the school committee does not know with 100% certainty that a majority of the school committee members are on board with voting to sponsor this. Because this we've never discussed thing. it in open meeting, right. and we haven't uh, necessarily... I think that there was a little bit of a, a two ships passing in the night that everybody thought it was a great idea to save this money to start kind of going towards the feasibility study. But we, I think we just didn't, I think that we were thinking, okay, well, the SBC will ask for it or somebody or, you know, the town would ask for it, but we didn't realize that we needed a co-sponsor. So, so, so. so what I heard, I think this afternoon was, well, gee, Will the townspeople even be willing to authorize the expenditure of any money for a school building project that does not yet have a school building committee? Mm -hmm. uh, and the argument I think that you know I've certainly had is, well, the problem is if you don't put any funding down in May, 
It won't, you can, assuming some version of the bylaw revision passes or nothing passes, either way, we're still gonna have a school building committee that will be formed that will then sit there twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the authorization of money, which it probably at the earliest wouldn't come before the fall, some fall special town meeting. So the issue of timing of the essence, uh, the understanding would be if this money is approved at town meeting, it's improved for a feasibility study. The feasibility study would only be carried out by a school building committee. So the, the answer for anybody in town that doesn't want to just approve funding is the funding can't be used unless the school building committee exists and making it available to cover the first six months of this effort puts us in a position that if we do in fact have to you know, deal with the MSBA, if, so it's later on the agenda, but if we submit an SOI, and the MSBA approves the project, and we have to decide whether we want to be, you know, accept that or not, in order to be in a position to actually know what it is we want to do to make an intelligent decision on that, we need the building committee to be able to start its work in the summer. So that's, this is a matter of either you, either you give up a half year to a year just to let all the chips fall in the normal way, or you put this in place, the worst that happens is the taxpayers vote for an extra $250,000 on the tax levy than what they might otherwise have had to do. That drops the free cash and we don't spend it. Mm -hmm. It drops back Not, into the municipal stabilization. Yeah, it's municipal stabilization. Oh, and it has to be yeah. spent. That's the other thing about the articles. It has to be spent by, uh, or at least the way it reads right now, is that it would have to go, if that $250,000 wasn't fully spent, it would have to go back into the municipal stabilization fund Sorry. Yeah, right. in right. next May. So, and, and I assume at that point, you know, I, I don't think anybody has the impression that a feasibility study, a full feasibility study would cost $250,000. This is, this is clearly this is to get money. us started about through the end of right. the year. Undoubtedly, some number, the higher Come than in, that is what would be yeah. required to complete the feasibility study. Yeah. Yeah. So, can I ask a question? Um, has have we done anything, anything like this before? For we have uh, never been in this situation, to my knowledge. Not, not we are in. Uh, and, and so, all I'm asking uh, that for is: Are we setting a precedent that a year or two from now people will go? But at town meeting 2022, you did the following, so you can't say you've never done it. So, for, so for the right reasons, we'll do what? it. That we've appropriated money that's uh, that hasn't been formally requested, but we're trying to get ahead of oh, the eight ball. We, 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 so. So let me so, jump to tonight. So we have part B of this conversation. Okay, you gotta so, tell me so tonight, <laughs> my recommendation is that the Board of Selectmen defer voting one way or the other on whether or not to approve the article. Well, it means we'll have to have a Board of Selectmen meeting just before the town meeting. Okay. It would appear that the school committee will be holding a meeting prior to the town meeting. Right we now, will announce I will that say tomorrow, it appears more likely than not that um, this is me talking, this is not, I'm not quoting Jess here. Uh, it appears more likely than not the school committee would support requesting that money. So once the school committee has formally requested it, then in my view, it would be appropriate for the Board of Selectmen certainly to acknowledge our role as co-sponsors. Okay. And before the town meeting starts, basically vote to recommend, presumably recommend approval so that at the town meeting itself, it can be announced that the Board of Selectmen recommend approval. What I don't think should happen is the Board of Selectmen sponsor spending 
Agreed. that the school committee yeah, doesn't no, totally want. Agree. So, okay. right. so I want to make I sure that I don't. I'm willing to be a co-sponsor, but not a lead sponsor. And, and uh, conversely, or aligned within that on the other side of the quarter, we don't want to be a single uh, sponsor of a uh, request for $250,000 without having the full support um, of the the select right. board yeah. as well. well. And I think this is sending... Because it's town and school, right? right. We no. want, we're working so hard on kind of really trying to incorporate our ownership of these right. projects. Right. Well, no, I think that I'd be floored at town meeting if the citizens come out in numbers after how many people have said we need a new school and they thought, oh, this is going to get shelved and it's going to be 12 to 24 months before anyone acts on it. I think there's, in good faith, you're seeing a lot of people spend a lot of time in a very short window um, so I'd like to think that that we're sending the right message that we're not sitting back and, and letting time go by. So I have uh, kind of herded my my uh, folks to have a meeting and we will announce that. Um, but we're going to have a meeting on Friday um, to dis discuss Article 18 specifically. And we'll put the agenda out, but it's... And I think the one point that we made this afternoon is to make sure that the taxpayers are not that the expectation of the taxpayers that they understand this is not the full funding that's probably going to be required for the feasibility study. This is the front end of that funding so that we can start work as soon as the building committee is formed. Mm -hmm. But probably depending when we get to the fork in the road at the end of the year, there'll still be work to do, whether it's MSBA process specified work or whether it's just town funded school project work, there's still got to be some work to do. So there will be added funding that will be requested for this feasibility study. No one should think that this is the this is the substitute for the million dollars that we right. spent last time. But I, I know you're going to get the question, I've already gotten as I'm walking around town, that knowing that this question is being kicked around, that uh, we did spend, what, of the million, 800,000 of it um, for the feasibility. So I have to believe some of that data can yeah, be recycled. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that's a reasonable Assumption. expectation. Still the same school, the same address. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. and uh, being on the school committee, but not the school building committee, I will leave that to the school building committee to figure out what that is. Yeah. So, But I think that it's a, it's a good uh, kind of first step to make sure that we do at least have that funding secured for them, particularly around a lot of the public uh, outreach work that you know I think we've all requested and is actually in the first line of the warrant article itself is that first funding request is about gathering public input and understanding where the town is. So, so that's where we are on that one. Right. Would you like you your mic back, that? Bill? Yes. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, the next one is Article 19. Which was listed on the town meeting website. I didn't. I did. Okay. I went to the Concom okay. website because they wanted to see what the old open space plan looked like. And I found a 230 page plan Oof. with a seven year action plan. And the date of that 230 page plan was April, 2021, 12 months ago. So my question is, why is the article states that our plan expires on November 22? It does. It took so long to put that plan together with the volunteers that it's actually gonna expire. It, sa it says it's April 2021. That's when it was provisionally. Approved. Yeah, there was a we submitted additional materials to the state in April of 21 to try to get to full approval from conditional approval. And they said, thanks, but no. still conditionally approved. You have more work to do. Yeah. 
Well, but what would we do? The, the, I was actually pretty impressed with that plan. So my real question here is we we're talking about spending $25,000 on a plan that's currently dated 2021, but okay, there's some weird state thing that's saying, even though it says 2021, it's really 2017 or whatever it is we're talking or 2015. Um, I thought some of the stuff that's been added in there is definitely more current than 2015, without a doubt. Yes, I actually liked it because it incorporates so many sections. We actually have a plan that it appears to take segments of other plans that we've done here in town and integrates them all into a plan that makes sense. What would the state need from us above and beyond the 230 pages of reasonably coherent and actually attractive materials that would cause us to have to hire a consultant to do anything? Have the listing in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want it. I do. Uh, there are, I do. Um, this is ridiculous. Additional information on the water resources, including uh, more detailed information on wetlands and the town's watersheds, additional information on environmental challenges facing the town, additional information on um, the actual quality and condition of existing town owned conservation and recreation properties, and a lot more information on. ADA accessibility of town-owned conservation and recreational prop, uh, properties that are to have required um, state-required inventory forms completed. And the last piece was more of a uh, document thing. They, we missed a map. I mean, that, that doesn't, that still sounds like it's an incremental edit. I mean, there's stuff, is I, I, I didn't read all 230 pages. I looked at it. I did look at all 230 pages. And it seems to me there was comments on ADA compliance in there. There's, I'm not sure what else you'd need on the water resources, but I would think that the water board, whatever it is you need, would be technical information that the water board would have. Um, it's like, I'm, the, given, given the state of that report, it's not clear to me what a consultant being handed $25,000 would do that's worth $25,000. I would rather have not have a consultant ruin what we have there <laughs> because it just seems like, I mean, I don't mind working off the, the checklist, but it seems to me we should be able to get that done within the, within the document. So I guess I would suggest, Gus, that there are two ways of getting it done. One is to hire a consultant. The other is to have town staff do it. Right. And the question is whether or not we have town staff. We're, we're, um, we're going to we have issues with the Conservation Commission's turnover that's, that's coming our way. The uh, Conservation Commission agent has resigned. Uh, so here's my problem. We spend money on a plan that a consultant develops because we don't have anybody that, in town that can actually put the time and effort and, more importantly, the mental power into it. So we have this document that gets some bureaucrat at the state level happy, but it's not, nobody knows. I think, you know, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of the Conservation Commission, and, and I was remiss in not inviting him to come speak to you tonight, but I, I think that we do have the staff that can do some of that incorporate, incorporation of what you're speaking about that the state wants, but we do need some technical expertise. And to meet the requirements of the last plan, we took almost six years to develop it. So the concern was we need to be more expedient this time. And to add to that, I think one of the other things that was suggested is whether it's it's not necessarily one consultant to do twenty five thousand dollars worth of work. Maybe it's three or four experts to help 
augment certain sections of the plan that need assistance, whether it's getting better GIS quality maps that can go right onto our GIS mapping, whether it's um, experts on ADA just to identify and help us out and map a plan for ADA accessibility on who, a few who, places. Okay. Who in town is the single person responsible for making sure this gets done? There was an open space and recreation plan committee overseeing this work until it was submitted to the state and a uh, request for improvement came back. And you, the Board of Selectmen usually appoints an open space and recreation committee to take this plan update on. Yeah, there are, there are Board of Selectmen committee uh, that is represented. And the big volunteer was Rob Agler who was on the did this one. Who did this I don't, I don't think that the people on the committee, Gus, were working with town staff for the most part. Um, they were doing it on their own. Uh, you know, a great volunteer effort, but I think we've gotten to the point where you can't ask your volunteers to finish it together. So, across so, the so I'm good with that. I have, the question I ask is who here in town has the lead responsibility for doing Let's assume there's 25,000 for consultants. Who here in town is responsible for pulling this together because to me it's an incremental revision mm -hmm. i mean i actually thought the plan was pretty good uh so if there's specific deficiencies that the state has given us that's fine if we need to give if we need to spend twenty five thousand dollars on one or more consultants that's fine who's responsible for getting this thing pulled together i would put it under obviously under my office but then under sarah uh, who's managing land use, and she would coordinate with Parks and Recreation. So Sarah, so Sarah would be the one that's responsible. I would like to hear from my two colleagues on what you think about the $25,000 expenditure for this in order to get it there. Well, in listening, I know I've spoken with you and I've had uh, heard from, from Nick. I understand what you guys are trying to do, and to that I applaud that this allows us to get grant money if we do what we're supposed to do, right? And... I love what Nick just said, instead of putting $25,000 in one person's pocket, um, is if we truly need three, four, or five people to, uh, to spread it out to hit those certain areas so we can, we can accomplish this, check off the ability to get the grant. I think in the, the grand scheme of things, I'm, I'm not so uptight about the 25,000. I am uptight about making sure that, that it's, it, people are accountable for it. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's something, and I look to you, um, Christine, it, as uh, having never been behind one of these, is there a kind of a milestone? We're not handing the, the consultant the money up front. They've got to do what they've got to do. Oh, there's no payment. Right. So, so full RFP of exactly what you want them to do. And I would expect, and I believe you are required to appoint an open space and recreation committee to oversee the plan. I, would, I don't think it should be just staff incorporating this because you have to have some community involvement. So I think going to have to have a volunteer committee to okay. assist. So I think I heard two answers on who's responsible for making sure this happens. So, First one was Sarah, the second one was a committee that we have to appoint. So who's responsible to make sure this happens? Well, I think Chris says that it's her office. I think ultimately it's me. I, I, I don't want to see us not available for grant funding if we don't finish this plan. Since we've done all the work this far to not do it and finish it out. Right. I'm trying to ask the question a different way. What, if anything, does the Board of Selectmen need to do? I understand ultimately the buck stops there. 
but that's not really what I was asking. I'm, I'm actually looking for who the driver is to get this job done. And I, first you said Sarah, so it's like I, I still, without knowing the scope of the work, I'm still looking at it saying, okay, they give, us a, they give us a checklist of things that need to get fixed. Not, not that I'm saying Sarah has to do all the work by herself. I mean, Sarah will hate that I'm even bringing her name up in such a casual and, and expansive way. But oh, I'm um, sure she's texting me right now. Yeah, I mean, she's texting me. But my point is that somebody needs to drive this. If they, maybe it took us six years to get it done, okay. It's done, I actually like it. It was six years well spent, even if it's too late. Uh, don't, and, and so I guess we have to buff it up so that it doesn't expire in November which means we're eligible for grants up through November right now, but in order to go beyond that, we have to bump it up to address these deficiencies. Uh, I'm not saying that Sarah has to do that by herself, mm -hmm. but then I think maybe what you're saying is that there's a, is that not really the answer? The real answer is the Board of Selectmen has to appoint a committee, and the committee is who's responsible for doing it. I'm, I'm just trying to, I don't want to take six more years to get a buffed up version is all I'm getting at. I think that's the point of spending the twenty-five thousand. No, it won't yeah. take six more years. We'll get it done. We'll get, but we'll become eligible for grants again. I get that. I get that. But the no. point is, twenty-five thousand dollars going to consultants is like saying, "Well, we can buy five cows for our ranch." It's like, yeah, but who's the rancher that's making sure that the cows are all right. on the fields that they need to be in? So, in, in the, what, I, what I can tell you, in the past, I think that the conservation commission has has basically overseen the process of the of this plan it was there there was a, there apparently is a committee uh, there, there's always been an open space since i've been here there's been an open space uh and recreation committee that's but that committee seems to report to the concom i think uh, in the past i think they've reported to both i remember when muffy smick presented the plan both to the selectmen and the conservation commission i believe at the same night but that's going back quite a few years yeah so i think so, gonna, i think you're going to have the, the conservation commission so i think it and, and sarah over well, yeah I, I think if you appointed a committee to assist in community outreach and those kind of things that are obviously required in all of our plans and sarah is the staff person i think you're going to see the same kind of dedication and commitment she had to the townwide master plan to move everybody along and meet those deadlines yeah. um and you know we didn't have that when we did this last uh, plan update. We didn't have a very strong conservation agent on the planning piece of it. Um, so okay. obviously we're going to be seeking that as we go out to advertise for a new CONCOM agent as well. So we would have Sarah kind of in almost the role that she's playing with the development committee. She's yes. she's almost a facilitator or a catalyst. You know, she, right. she helps make things go along. I'm yep. okay with that. But you're saying we need to, I've heard two different things, we need to establish a committee. Mm -hmm. A committee what Pete said, well, it would be the CONCOM would take the, you know, take, be responsible and that committee would, I guess, report to the CONCOM. Are we saying that? Or are we saying, no, this is a committee that would report broader to Sarah, probably directly yeah. to the board It's broader because it, it, it covers more than just Conservation Commission parcels. It covers land under the control of the Board of Selectmen under the control of the Parks and Recreation Commission. It's it's right. not just, right. it would be okay. too narrow to say it's just conservation. So we have it be an independent, we're okay with it. You should have representation from all of those groups. I just I, I hear about it through Deb, yeah. who's on the concom, and, okay. and I so I track it from hearing it about right. it through the conservation. All right. So committee. we have we have an action in the near future to create this committee mm -hmm. that has enough time to work on this before get a, get a consultant on board and get the job done prior to November. Doesn't mean the committee necessarily goes away after that, but in terms of what's prompting this whole thing, yes, that's what we have to do. Okay, you're good. I'm good. 
You good with the article? Yes. All right. I will go along with the article. <laughs> with the understanding we have to create that committee. Absolutely. But uh, mm -hmm. okay. So I think we have three nothing recommend approval of the article. Mm -hmm. We'll advertise on the website that we're looking for committee members uh, once we get approval for the money. When, when they are created, you know that I will be interested in the job they do addressing the maintenance issues of our open space. So, and that's uh, actually going back to the memo that Dave Henkels wrote that's on the on the 2022 town meeting website. He calls that out specifically, that we have bought a tremendous amount of land, but we don't have a maintenance okay. plan. So yeah, he does okay. bring that up. That alone would be worth $25,000. <laughs> I will make that happen. Okay. All right. uh, final, final, uh, final article is Article 20, which is if you can take the, the census backup article. Yeah, Chris brought in a, oh, a draft. Okay. Yeah, my, my apologies, but I didn't send it in advance. It's just the Is this your draft? Oh, this is, is this a draft of what would go into the, the bylaw revision? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, my, my sincere apologies for not sending it to you in advance. That's right. That's right. It's, it's, a short, it's a lot it's a shorter short, than what I got yesterday at three. I can read, I can <laughs> yeah, read this little amount fast. That's easy. Uh, would you send me? Yeah. Seen it. Yep. So I, I'm fine with I'm fine with this. The language mirrors what um, is in the school building. Yeah. Okay. Um, so does that mean we would withdraw Article Twenty if this was added into that? No, no. That's that would have to come from that petition. He's going to take them up together. Okay. However, the source. Because that original article just addressed schools, right. yep. and this is the rest of the bylaw. So you need need that motion to be to be made separately under that article. Because it's talking about amending the permanent committee. Right. So that, well, uh, so the one thing I might might look at, Chris, and you may or may not be on board with the full amendment that we I don't we don't have yet but if we have a full amendment and you and you are on board with that I could even see us looking at incorporating this the only reason I'm doing that mark is that that Scott said he didn't want to piecemeal right. this yeah but thing. it's it's the starting point is you have an existing bylaw which is a permanent planning and building committee mm -hmm. so even if the school thing failed you could still go forward on uh that amendment with respect to the existing bylaw, the existing committee, and how they operate. That makes sense. So do you, um, so then should this be, I understand where you want it to show up and I understand what you want it to say. Are you saying that Article 20 should be this wording to be incorporated as an amend, as a further amendment to the bylaw? Yes. What a, okay, so so Article 20 stays. It shows up as its own standalone amendment to the bylaw, effectively in addition to the bylaw. Right. It will be independent of however the vote goes on the school building committee revision bylaw, however that comes out. The, you know, the original everything gets voted down, it stays the way it is. The original draft from the revision committee passes, the amended revision passes doesn't matter 
This simply shows up through Article 20 as an amendment to whatever the heck the bylaw is by the time we come out of the town meeting. Yes. Okay. And, okay. It, Got it. and it can be dismissed. Right. I don't. Well, I don't think there's anything it's, quite it's, like this. No, yeah. because it's not it, this the the original the committee driven amendment is limited to school projects. Right. You are proposing a public hearing requirement for municipal projects, all projects. Right. So that has to that has to no matter what happens with the school, oh, you still need this. That makes sense. Okay. Yep. So I'm, yep. I'm, I'm good okay with, that. with that. Yep. Very much so. You okay with that? I am. All right. Recommend nice. approval. Whew. I thought that one was going away. But it's, it's, uh, it's survived. Okay. That, that works. Uh, so those are all the answers we're going to get tonight for the articles. The only one that's still pending is going to be the one on the feasibility study funding. Yes. And we know what we're doing. We just have to have the light switch yeah, get turned on. See how it goes. See how it goes. Okay. All right. Uh, next, we have a vote to approve a contract with Beta Group Incorporated for peer review services related to the proposed Medfield State Hospital redevelopment. Uh, and I, just as an aside, well, I won't, there was a there was a number of different areas that were called out in the scope: traffic studies, transportation engineering, peer review services stormwater management, zoning reviews, infrastructure reviews, landscape reviews, architecture reviews, and hazardous materials handling. Handling. So if I'm understanding this correctly, what's happening is because of what's going on at the state hospital, correct me if I'm not interpreting what, what this is all about, um, and Trinity is funding this. This isn't something we're paying for. This is coming out of funding that's coming from, the, from Trinity, yes? Mm -hmm. And this is for us to be able to evaluate all of the potential. Peer reviewed. Yeah. Okay. And can I do just one quick diversion? I missed that there was a question that oh. we had from Jeff Hyman. Nick, uh, you may be able to answer. The question was Can the trustees help our town with getting information needed on the open space and rec questions since they have a lot of our open space in Medfield? I'm sure they were. I don't know if they they're, they're, the past. they're usually helpful and we include their information in there, but the plan is really about how the town's going to manage the town-owned properties. Okay. Yeah. So Jeff, sorry for missing that, but uh, But they, they are just they are good partners with getting us any yeah, information I that we need. They would be. Yeah. Okay. Great. I keep going. No, it's okay. No, <laughs> no, he's my neighbor. He's I have him on for another reason. Don't go anywhere, okay. Jeff. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um all right, so so once I understood how this is all coming together and why it's coming together, mm -hmm. um, I didn't have any uh, pointed questions. Mm -hmm. Okay, Pete. No, I'm good. I had one question. This the first contract doesn't call out the, the total value of the contract. It just calls right. out it calls out rates, but there's no ceiling on it. Correct. We and part of that is because we're not sure. Once we get the materials back from Trinity Subconsultants, we'll provide it to Beta to say, "Here's the traffic report. Can you give us an estimate as to what it'll cost you based on your hourly rates that you proposed?" The environmental partners is one is similar, but they just said it won't be. They just picked a number about half, really. They said twenty thousand dollars, whatever, not to exceed what. So, so are we we're going to sign a contract tonight. Mm -hmm. So what what I'm antsy about is signing a contract that's effectively a blank check. With the development committee, um, 
overseeing this, it would be it would just be under their purview to say, hey, beta group, what will this cost? Okay, go do it. And that's how we envision the process. They don't have anything to do at this point. It's all going to be responsive, so you're going to be able to bracket it. So this is like an umbrella that they would not. See, Nick is very masterful. He just rolled it back to the development committee that I'm on. So it's like, well, you figure it out. Well, the question I asked when I was reviewing these, basically overlapping because you don't know who you're going to need for what. So that was both. Yeah, that's my contracts basically mirror each other in most yeah. right. So this is effectively kind of an umbrella contract and individual tasks would be the point of negotiation for what the cost would be. And obviously, Trinity's willingness to pay for it is the key. We haven't allocated any town funds for this, so the Trinity funding is is, effect, is an effective limit on how much funding is available. The $500,000 included in the provisional designation agreement comes to the town for all expenses incurred in due diligence through construction. So it's, right. as we drive down, we, we request additional increments. So that's there's no real upper limit, but the intention would be, hey, Beta, what do you what are your hourly rates to do this work? When we know what we want you to do, we'll provide you right. that okay. free access. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry, Bill. Uh, so this is very very similar to what CONCOM has with uh, one one of their. Uh, it's a peer, peer review. review. Yeah. You like know, they, so basically, what happens there is you get something safe from DCAM, the proponent, what they what they want to do. Um, they recognize that they have to pay for it, but they typically have a review process. So what would happen is CONCOM would say, okay, we have this proposal from, from you know, so-and-so from the state or whoever. Um, what, what's your cost for doing it, for doing the, the, the peer review? And typically what happens for CONCOM anyway is that they get a bid back for that particular task and they have to run that through the proponent, and proponent typically reviews and says yay or nay. And I, I'm just curious as to whether Trinity's going to look at what it's comes more back. Analogous. It's more analogous to the 40B peer reviews where we've had multiple consultants for specialized areas. And you have them on board, and you clear it with the, the applicant developer beforehand, and then you give them the assignment. So they won't be looking at an individual, you know, they want such so much for a traffic study or whatever, you know. And, and, it's going to be worked out before they they're basically given the okay to right. go forward. I assume is that correct? That's the intention. Yes, we don't just don't have anything to react to. We're I understand. To have all these. No, until you see it, right? Okay. I mean, I understand. I'm just curious if there was another review process with Trinity somewhere along the way when when yeah. you actually got something and got a proposal or whatever for the cost. You know? After, in what sense, after the, if the land disposition agreement is approved at town meeting, they go through the regular permitting process and they still have to, to go through all those. No, no, I was, I was talking about pre, you know, pre uh, signing the land disposition agreement, because you'll be doing some of this at the end of due diligence, I would assume, right? Ahead of any Ahead of, town yeah. meeting. This yeah. will all happen. This, I don't think we would be informed enough to sign an agreement without peer review. But, but, but Trinity's not looking at an individual bid or an individual peer review cost or anything else. You know, during this period, no, no, no that's that, 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 that fine. That's the only answer I was looking for. Yeah, thank you. I would move to approve the contract with Beta Group Inc. for peer review services related to the proposed Medfield State Hospital development that was set forth in the meeting materials. Second, all those in favor, aye, aye. opposed, motion carries. Okay, and then the second contract 
is a vote to approve a contract with environmental partners for peer review services related to the proposed Medfield State Hospital redevelopment. Uh, make the observation that the I, the, uh, the roles or the things that were on the list of things they would do is remarkably similar to the first one. Uh, so I was looking at it, trying to discern if there was some qualitative difference between the two of them, and I couldn't tell. So environmental partners will be doing the water and sewer aspect for sure. Okay. Beta will be doing the transportation stuff for okay. sure, because they're those are the two firms that handle a lot of the work here in town. And in case it wasn't clear, both these consulting firms are already on the contract of the town for other matters, and right. uh, environmental partners in particular works regularly with water and sewer projects here, so they're not coming in from the outside for the first time. Okay. Yeah. And I was talking to Christine earlier today, so I learned a lot about that. So I'm, yeah. I understand why we're doing this. Okay. Hopefully, it's my last question. Um, who is anybody uh, scheduled to do a peer review on any of the compliance with the environmental requirements in terms of like the you know notice of project change or uh, the you know the meet certificate activity? Uh, I know who was listed for some of that activity on the due diligence report, uh, but that's changed, I think. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that is still another... Th that is still something that was classified under, le under legal counsel, so we will... Yeah, we, we need a, So, yeah. I mean, essentially, you're, you're, you almost need a peer review of that as well, I mean, in terms of the activity that they're going to, mm -hmm. to be doing. So I just wanted to point that out, that's all. Questions, Eileen? Nope. Pete? Nope. I don't. I, I make it for the people in the audience. Uh, the, this one did have a specified value of $20,000. Um, I think that's about all the information that I found pertinent in terms of anything that people might be interested that in. That just means if you reach the cap, you're going to have to come back. And yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but relative to the blank check comment I made before, it's it's nice to know that we're talking five figures, probably not six or eight or ten. You know, right. federal government would be a different issue, but here we pay attention to this. So. Uh, can I have a motion? I would uh, move to approve the contract with Environmental Partners for peer review services related to the proposed Medfield State Hospital development, as was set forth in the meeting materials. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye, aye. Opposed? Okay, that carries. <clears throat> Next, we have a vote to approve an inter-municipal agreement with the town of Foxborough for emergency vehicle technician services. I learned a lot about this today. <laughs> I'm sure I, I, I met with Chief Carrico this afternoon. And I actually said, well, we were, I learned a lot about his department and his goals, but I said, hey, can I ask you a question? We're gonna bring up this, this discussion about fixing uh, fire vehicles over in Foxborough. And what he basically said is they have some mechanics um, on their staff that specialize and you have to be certified to work on any emergency vehicle. Um, and the rates that they offer are phenomenal. Uh, and the fact that it's that close to Medfield, they don't have to ship it to Connecticut, they don't have to drive it anywhere uh, too far, uh, was phenomenal. So he was, he's a big fan of, of this group. If I can speak specifically to the contract, the one that made it into the packet um, did not reflect some changes that Mark recommended because Frank, Foxborough and Franklin have a similar agreement. So we don't have a final um, 
contract yet. So if you want to wait till your next meeting or okay. uh, contemplate an approval based on my recommendations, however you want to proceed. Is there any reason why we shouldn't just wait until we see the actual contract? No, I don't think. There I don't. I don't think there's an urgency on it. Okay. For what it's worth, I, of course. Now that I said that, something's going to break. But <laughs> we got two new first line. Oh, don't, don't. No, he's don't got, go he's got there. there. I was there when he's got, he's got an issue with some things right now. Yes, he does. Did you have any? Did you have any questions? No. Okay. The only Nick I had, just so you know, uh, I was curious about the term. I said page two. Yeah, oh, if we were going to sign the contract, the term is blank on page two. Yeah, one of the things that was okay. pointed out. And then the only other question I had is on page five. There's fairly extensive amendments that I originally proposed when this came to Franklin. Uh, and we then sent it back, and uh, Foxborough in turn ran it by their town councils, mm -hmm. and we came up with a uh, revised agreement that everybody was comfortable with. So Nick's done a pretty good job of incorporating all that into a Medfield contract now, and so it just has to basically go back and say, hey, remember when you did the deal with Franklin and your council looked at it and agreed yep. to this. Okay, so the other question has on page five, I'm listed as the point of contact. I noticed Franklin, it was the town administrator, and <laughs> given, the, I'm assuming this is more than a one-year contract while I'm the chair of the board, I'm thinking it's probably more appropriate the town administrator. I don't, I mean, you can put me down if you want. It's just that no, that's fine. It doesn't seem. I just like to you know not publicize when I'm trying for a coup. I just like <laughs> keep that time, but that's fine. That's, we can change. Uh, <clears throat> well, I was trying to not. I know. Okay, so we'll defer. We'll uh, defer that one. Until we get the updated version. Okay. Next, vote to approve renewal of an intermunicipal agreement with the town of Mansfield for a medical director. Uh, this is, I think, uh, similar to the yeah. the one we approved maybe two years ago. I think, or there maybe it was three years. ago. I think ago it might now. be three years ago now at this um, point. Yeah. So I, if you, told, I, you I got a, you I got a good briefing from the chief on this one. Say, oh yes, your, your that we're one of eleven towns more. that are are under this doctor out of Mansfield. Okay, Pete, any questions? None. The only question I had is this is this wasn't, we didn't originally have it with Mansfield, right? Norwood, right? I think it was Norwood, well, yeah. originally it was Norwood <laughs> so and then. So did we pick, did we change medical directors or? I think our medical director moved. He moved. It's my, so it's yeah. the same, okay. Yeah. Norwood shut down. Yeah, as I say, well, I, I talked to Holly yeah, Rand today about this. Yeah, yeah, so, so that's I what I've Oh yeah, she was, yeah. she was super yeah. helpful. Because of the hospital over in Norwood. So, yep. so this may actually still yeah. be the same medical director just operating out of a different facility. Correct, yes. Okay. Yes, it's okay. the gentleman we met okay. when we were doing the ALS. Okay. Yeah. So entertain a motion there. Uh, move to approve. Uh, uh, yeah, it says re renewal, actually. It's, yeah. it's, uh, renewal of the intermunicipal agreement with the town of Mansfield for a medical director as set forth in the meeting materials. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Okay, that's approved. Done. Uh, next item, vote to approve the submission of a statement of interest for the Dale Street School to the Massachusetts School Building Authority. Um, this is, I think, this is a statement of this is the statement of interest that's basically letting the MSTA know that the town would like to be considered for admission into the MSTA school funding process. 
Um, I want to, as a chair, I'm a signat signatory just as the chair of the school committee is and superintendent. So this is basically, the way I talk about it is this is buying the ticket on the merry-go-round. That's all it is, is buying the ticket on the merry-go-round. It does not constitute a commitment to go down this path if, if that's not what we decide to do. Uh, but if we decide not to do it at this point in time, uh, it basically says we're not on the merry-go-round at all. So if we wished at some point that we could reach for the brass ring, you're not on the merry-go-round to even be able to reach for it. Right. So this is kind of keeping an option open. I would make the observation in the statement of interest that I hadn't appreciated before, probably because I didn't do a good enough job of reading the earlier statement of interest. There's actually two requests in there, one of which is the priority of asking for funding for the, for the, the re renovation and improvements that are needed at Dale Street School. That's one part of the request. And then the separate request is to actually get funding for a new school. And I somehow or another hadn't appreciated that until I took the time to really read through this. I thought the, uh, by and large, the rather lengthy description of the things at Dale Street School that gave rise to the need for a new, to do something here, uh, I thought they were compelling. Uh, and that's not to say it was all doom and gloom, but in some ways the write-up was more it painted a better picture of some of the things about the Dale Street School that are still in good shape. So mm -hmm. this was not like just an all one-sided description about, you know, watch out, the, the roof beams might fall on your head when you walk through the door. But it pointed out a number of issues around the space and how the space was used or couldn't be used. As I they read it, they, they talked about a form of construction that I wasn't familiar with that they said isn't usually typically used because it's more expensive, apparently. So... It's the pan, <coughs> the pan foundation or something like that. Yeah. Then you can see it. I have to pay more attention next time I'm near the Dale yeah. Street School to look yeah. for the pan. But it was only in part of the school that you yeah. could see it, I think. Yeah. So, so um, if the, the the school committee has already voted to approve the statement of interest or signing the statement of interest, the issue on the table is, are we prepared to approve having me as the chair sign the statement of interest? So. Yeah. Can I just ask a couple of questions? Yep. So, so the, this is more or less, and I'm going to look to you, Jess. If, if you, so, the, the statement of interest that was submitted for the first go around, and the statement of interest that I just received yesterday, more or less are the same document, right? Other than, yes. And modernized, made sure that you know we have updated in five years. Right, but some of the data. More or less, because some of the data points still continue to reference 2017 and now we're in 2022. And, and the reason I ask this is if I was sitting at the state and I saw a town that that we accepted, they they didn't vote to support, then they submit paperwork. And then I look at it and I think, okay, didn't, it's more or less the same documents and we're five years later, um, or soon to be five years later. Is that does that reflect poorly that we didn't put more data uh, into it and and maybe there isn't that much more data to put into it? But I just think when I look at census, I look at numbers. Um, you know, like I, some of the questions I'd be intrigued by living here in the town and seeing what goes on with the schools is: Are we is are is the enrollment really going up? Are we losing kids to um, to to services that are being provided by other towns? Like, what are the trends that we're seeing, and would that be pertinent to this report? since it's X number of years later since we've submitted the first one. Just, I mean, because if I was at the state, yeah. I'd look at that and some maybe would be like, okay, do they want it or is this gonna just be another mental exercise where we're, we're, they're not gonna end up supporting it again? And that's, not, I don't want that if we go with the MSBA. 
I think that uh, when we, now I am going to uh, qualify first that I know nothing about the MSBA or how they may think. I have, you know, I have followed the process. My understanding is that you take each application as it comes, that when funding fails, sometimes at the town level, that doesn't mean that the need for the building is any less. Right. And that they will look at the need for the building. Now, there are variations in terms of population, you know, and we can give them updated numbers as we get them over time. I think that we're looking at, um, as we're going through the hospital process, um, we're looking at getting NASDAQ to update our numbers. These are numbers that are, you don't have to have like the solid numbers mm -hmm. at this point for this application. So I'm not terribly worried about it. Some of the stuff that references 2017, you know, like in the facilities plan where Jerry went through and did that when he was here, that has not yet been updated. Those things are still issues. Um, but in essence, I mean, they've done a significant amount of updating in terms of data, but whatever hasn't been updated, updated is simply not there right now, right? So, um, so okay. which points are you specifically looking at? Well, I, I will yeah, say. I don't have it committed to memory, so I'll just. No, that's right. No, no, no. I, trust me. I, I've got 40 pages at yes. 3 o'clock yesterday on top of uh, what I have, 153 before that. So I don't have it memorized either. I, d I did confirm the education plan, the back part of what we got. That's not part of the submission. That was for our benefit. So all that stuff that was at the back end is not something that goes in with this. Okay. Uh, and, and, and trust me, I support in the spirit of going forward because, to your point, if we don't punch the ticket, we can't get a punch later. So I, I'm just I, I'm just saying this out loud so that we make sure that if there, we haven't submitted it yet, we have until the 29th. 29th uh, you know, and even like when I look at, so I did, I talked to Christine about this when I saw Census 2010, and we're now in 2022. Um, she advised me that we have to go off of the Fed. We're going off 2010 census because we don't have any 2020 census yet. You right. know, it's 2022. Which is kind of crazy, but that, yeah. Right. It hasn't it been fully released yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then just even the school enrollment. I mean, I'm not here to debate that tonight either. Um, but you look at what's going on. And I, 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 I know what we're trying to do at the state hospital. So 334 units, mainly one, uh, two, a handful of threes, says that's not really going to be a significant impact. And, and a lot of the other buildings that are going up are for seniors and others. So that, to me, I don't see an artificial inflation of numbers, um, but yeah. two cents. I mean, I think, you know, again, we are going through the NASDAQ process right now in terms of vetting the hospital properties to make sure that our populations are, you know, not going to explode. We always worry about the people back on Facebook that are taking the pipe on, you know, that all of a sudden you get mm -hmm. for really young families and that class travels, those two or three classes travel through. Um, and so, at, but we literally cannot predict those when now in the time frame that we have. That. So we can go off our current estimations and our current NSDECs, but uh, we can't you know, kind of project. And, and honestly, this just gets us invited into the program should they, should they ask us to 
So there's no oh. So these numbers don't stick to us. Like it's not. No, it's it's it nobody's going to put us on the stand and say you must. You know, you said two thousand seven hundred by this point, and we have two thousand six hundred and fifty. What is going on here? No, you know the MSBA is quite realistic about how things fluctuate. They, you know, they built and continue to build schools all over the state. Millis has, you know, just been invited into their program for a new high school after doing their entire elementary program. So they have a certain sophistication around what the data and how it changes, what it looks like, and how it changes. As long as it's not binding, that's that's, that's no, not something no. Like, and okay. in fact, that's the reason that within my own meeting i read through the language twice once for the public to really think about it and once for our board or committee to, to vote on because it does very specifically say that there is no ding essentially for not taking it or for not being accepted into right so that the town has mu as much right to walk away and say this is not the right decision for us and that that is not a politically inexpedient or bad decision. No, absolutely, it shouldn't be. Yeah. Chris, so to the discussion we had last week, the issue of doing if that were to be what we did, doing it in a, in a with timing and in a way that doesn't sit there and cause MSBA to have mud on their face mm -hmm. for having committed to one thing and then we surprised them. That's recognized in this discussion. So just so you you recognize that. The other the other minor point was I did actually ask about the, the email you sent with the different square footages. The square footage, the bigger one that's there is the more accurate complete square footage. That's so I, I confirmed that this afternoon when we talked. What it was is that I think left field had one number. Right. Well, um, you know what it is is that when you when you discuss <clears throat> education and educational space, right. you're talking about uh, floors above the ground. But when you're an architect, you have to think about the entire space that includes the basement right. and all of the you know all of the kind of uh, facilities that happen down there. Very few schools have basements like that, right? So now. I asked the question. There are two <laughs> different kinds of you know, realities in the world. There's educational space and there's architectural design. So. And the, the point I'd make about this SOI as I read it, this is not an SOI saying, here's what we want to do about our problem. This SOI is just saying, we got really, you know, school that has some real problems and we need help. Yep. And so mm -hmm. when I read that, this, that we way, like it's like- We'd like to explore your help. And they would like to explore helping right. us. Right. I think that that's really, it's more of an exploration right. than an absolute commitment on either and to make things happen. So for better or for worse, it gives us different options. Again, and I think it goes back to what I said a little while ago. At town meeting, we're gonna have citizens that are still gonna question, where are we going? We are moving this along. We're, you know, we're, we are going to get a school, renovated or new school, come out of high water, so. So I think this is a step that the town uh, should take in its best interest and that it makes absolute sense for us to go ahead. So I'm on board. Okay. I've had all my questions answered over the discussions. I would move to. Uh, we got a comment from the floor. Is this yeah, what you were referencing? Michael. Is that what you were referencing? That piece, okay. Yeah, that's not part of it. Okay. Uh, Jerry Um So, in theory, uh, you know, anything that gets us to school as soon as possible 
you know, I, I totally support being open-minded and exploring all the options. Um, my only concern is since the vote in November, we listened earlier to the feasibility money not being released until right before the town meeting. And the bylaw committee, even though this passed last May, to look at the bylaw as being rushed to make this happen. And my understanding is the statement of interest you got yesterday as, as a selectman and that the school committee voted on it without even having a document and in front of them that they we requested it and it was not available at the time that the school committee approved moving ahead with the statement of interest. My concern really has to do with, with the word process. If we're going to be transparent this time around, getting documents to everyone as early as possible so that there can be questions so we can ask questions, right? Getting it the day before with differences in enrollment and differences in projection, and then hearing we have a state hospital project with Dr. Marsden was involved with the master planning and said there wouldn't be any more than 150. That's what they provided back then, and that was before we got an actual bid from, from Trinity. So I, I would say that each step we take with the school is gonna be under very close scrutiny. And I would hold us as a town to a high standard of transparency and getting documents out openly as early as possible so everyone can see them mm -hmm. to feel that this is being done above board. And I, I feel like that did not happen here. So I worry about this being the start of a process where, well, we'll worry about it later. We've seen that movie, it doesn't end well, someone jumps out with a mask. So if we can stop that early, and I'm not taking a side on either one of it, but just for each of the committees to put documents out as early as possible, and yep. if you're considering it within 24 hours and it's 40 pages, we haven't seen it. So, you know, it just would be good to carry more transparency going forward because of the sensitivity of, of you know, the, the, the subject. Thank you. No argument. Yeah, no, you can, she knows, that I send her no, like, wait a minute, I'm just getting that, because I'm getting trained to look on Friday afternoons now. And Chris, I Friday. do think you read the SOI before I did, just for the record. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I saw your email before I <laughs> so. But the spirit of interest is the right thing to do. Yeah. Right. So, um, first of all, so I would assume that the selectmen want to sign a document, sign off on a document that they feel is accurate, right? Correct? Well, yes. Uh, I think the other piece of that is that I see this as signing off on a document that gives us, that allows us to have continued flexibility going forward as opposed to not signing off on a document and winding up basically not having one of two options that we might have. So it's, I said, like I said, it's buying the ticket to get on the merry-go-round. It's not anything more than that. So, I mean, I just have, in terms of the um, the square footage uh, discrepancy, I just think it's really important, especially on one of the discrepancies that I had brought forth, is that the last SOI that we submitted to um, MSBA, that was where it was stated that it was 53,029 square feet. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, this current SOI, it was stated 67,000. 249 square feet. So there were no architects involved with or at left field. These are numbers that we provided as the district to MSBA in two different SOIs that do not match. So I'm not really sure that that but explanation. What I heard is these are better numbers because they're using all the full square footage okay. as opposed to just the education space. Okay. Exactly. 
I'm not sure I, if I would, only someone who is as thorough in auditing past documents as you are, Chris, would probably even catch that. But leaving that aside, I, yes, we want an accurate SOI. I try that, it's, and so I'm trusting that that's the more accurate number now that people have more time to think about it. On the other hand, if I, I'm trying to picture some in the MSBA going, oh, wait a minute, if it was, if it was 67,000 feet, that's a really, really important thing. And if it's 53,000, yeah, not a big deal. So I, I'm not sure in terms of the point we are in the process and the purpose of this thing. I don't know if that's, I'm not arguing, we want to be accurate. I don't know as a practical matter that that has much operational impact one way or the other, other than we want to be accurate because well, that gives us credibility. Well, it has to do with, it ties to the enrollment projections because if you're basically saying that you project, you, you expect to have significant increase in enrollment, then you're basically saying you want a percentage of, of percentage increase in space. And that percentage of, it, of space is different depending upon what your existing square footage is. So you know what I'm saying? So you look at that and you say, okay, well, well, but does it depend if some? Yeah, I'm not sure if that would hold. Well, I think though something that was though Chris, something I heard was that some of the space that that has been discovered is is basement whatever. So I, I guess if if they if it's classroom 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 to classroom ratio, I think that would impact. But understanding how they they delineated the area for Dale, I don't think they're calling that all educational. And, and you I can certainly. Yeah, but it's actually not, we don't really have any documentation of that clarification in any place that I know of, I, that I've the seen. The MSBA will ask questions if they have so, as well. Um, and then the other, the other um, clarification or point is there's a question here on the SOI that says, does the district have a master educational plan that includes facility goals for this building and all school buildings in the district? And the answer to this is yes we have the educational plan that was submitted with the last project, but we do not have a master plan for all buildings, school buildings in the district. A master educational plan for all school buildings in the district. And the, the, the language that, is, that accompanies this yes answer talks only about the education plan that was submitted for the last project. There's nothing in here about a master educational plan. And in fact, our strategic plan for the school district expired this year. So we don't even have the strategic, a new strategic plan. So I just think that that's not an accurate answer in this SOI. So, you're, so the point you're making, Chris, is that the answer, the explanation that's provided this answer cites the education plan for the school that's under consideration for potential replacement it does not address the second part of that question that basically says, do you have a, an education plan for the entire school district? Mm -hmm. I, I'll leave I would it. Like the, I think that I can Okay. Thank you. Um, so there was a five-year and is and continues to be a five-year strategic plan, which we... Uh, of course, went through a pandemic. And so some of those things and those goals continue on while we are now reassessing and beginning the new strategic plan to extend our current goals. So I would argue that indeed we do have 
a education plan and a master plan for the entire district, um, whether there is a you know midfield 2021 date that is a hard and fast expiration date, I hardly think is uh, something that was put into any kind of bylaw or uh, anything that keeps us from now continuing with those goals and that the reassessment, as we have always spoken about with the strategic plan, is about extending and understanding what happens in the future based on those goals that the community came up with. We do have um, a plan over the summer to begin looking for an RFP or to do an RFP for so, that. So there's really, it, it's, it's a little bit of semantics. Do we have so, a master goal? So, yes. So, so before we go too but far I'm not down, even sure that it's, it's accurate it's, or not, I'm, I'm going I'm to kind of have two, I have two reactions. Number one, Chris, I hear what you're saying. I trust that the school committee is going to want to put in as compelling an SOA as possible. So the question on the table is, well, you didn't really answer the full question because you didn't really answer the question about does the district have a full education plan? That's useful feedback and perhaps the, you know, perhaps a statement that says, well, we had a, we had a plan, we had strategic goals, we had this thing, we have a plan. it expired, but the COVID, you know, because of COVID, we have not updated it. That would address no the broad district. That's the thing. If I'm MSBA and I read the answer to this, I know that the only answer I got was for the school. So part of me says, well, either I'm going to ding you because you didn't give me the full answer and I'll, I'll be able to tell, or you all can decide to add that last piece that addresses the second half of the question. And it is, and then it's out there. Yeah. But I, I, and you know, the MSBA is not like an anonymous state agency that, that, you know, just kind of clicks boxes. We have had an in-depth conversation with them over the last five years. And the people who would work and kind of oversee uh, a Medfield plan are many of the same people we already know. There are things that happen in paperwork and there are things that happen in questions. And that's when you pick up a phone and say, I'm not sure about this, you know, so that that is something that's part of the MSBA process. And it is perfectly accurate to say that the school has a long range, long term uh, strategic plan. We are in that strategic plan right now. We have never said the strategic plan is done and it's over. It was simply named 2021. So I think Chris's point is, but it doesn't say that in the answer here. That's fair. I'll leave more the strategic plan and the master education plan. Hold on a second. When Gus was So what I'm getting at is, okay, we got the we got the lay of the land. There's a quality on this SOI. Either it has enough of an answer or it doesn't. Point taken. What you're saying that second half wasn't addressed. Right. Okay. Is there continued public comment? So I think what's really important is when you think about the MSBA, is that. They're dealing with all facilities. Okay, so this question, based on MSBA's standpoint of funding school facilities, is they're trying to get at here is a master facility plan, mm -hmm. not the educational plan. And the only reason I mentioned the strategic plan is because in the strategic plan it has a one chapter basically on facilities. But what the MSBA is trying to get at here 
is basically, do you have a master facility plan for all your school buildings so that possibly five years down the road or 10 years down the road or 20 years down the road, we might have a general idea of what else might be coming down the road in terms of projects for Medfield. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is what they're trying to get at with this question. And they just happen to ask it as, do you, do you have a master educational plan that includes facility goals for this building and all school buildings in the district. So it's a more of a facility plan that oh, they're well, looking that's for. Easy because we do have Jerry's facility plan. Mm -hmm. So, and, and the way the question facility. was answered was only specific to that one building and had nothing to do with the master facility. I'm just saying that yeah, I, that this may, if they can edit, if you can edit this to update it, to, to be clear to actually answer the question, it might be better. Because uh, right now the way it's answered is not it's not accurate. Assuming what they wrote isn't what they really meant. Because yeah. if they asked for the education plan, then it is accurate what they talked about, whether they have full plan. I, I mean, this is, I'm not sure as a practical matter what, what changes other than, it, it's obvious to me that the application should be as accurate, responsive, and complete as we can get it to make a compelling case that we have a, a we have an old school that needs to be replaced. That to me is what this whole thing is about. I don't know what the MSBA does for stuff. I, I can see how understanding the education plan that leads to different configurations of facilities mm -hmm. is a compelling case in the context of reviewing this, what's said in the statement of interest. You make a good point. If the MSBA is saying, gee, let us know if you're thinking about other projects coming down the pike, that's fine, but then it's too bad they didn't just ask that because that would have been a little simpler. So I, I'm, I'm trying to visualize what the right correction would be that's a useful correction that actually literally answers the question that may or may not have a spin in the direction you're going. So I, I, take, I take your point as feedback. I think the school committee can take that as feedback. You were going to do some, you were going to do some revisions if, if there's something there that would make sense, that's, that's useful. Right? Do we, uh, what's, did, did you, ha was there any answer to the, um, the, cr the last uh, date for the last NESDAQ enrollment report? Do we have the, what's the latest? That we received wasn't really clear to me that that was a driver in this SOI. It's the, I, I, I don't know when you know whether the report's available yet or not, but I think it's an important to very, me. That's very, an important question. We get around to figuring out what kind of school we need. Oh yeah, yeah, because that was one of the big problems that right. MSBA right. was saying that we needed a bigger school than we wanted. So right. Well, so it's not that it's not an important question, Chris. It's just I'm I'm not I didn't see it jumping out at me. Yeah, we don't want to boil. Right. No, I I, yeah. I understand, but when you when there's a statement in here that the state hospital property property along with the recent 40B developments has the potential to increase our enrollment significantly, then and then there's also reference to um, Nesdec being that we're we're in discussion with Nesdec around enrollment, then there is a valid question to ask. So where is, what is the last, last NESDEC report that we have? Because the last one that was made public was in January 2021, and we usually get it annually. So my question is, is do we have another NESDEC report that's floating around out there that has more recent numbers? I think that that's something that um, I literally can't pull up right now because we don't have the presentation. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to, honor, first of all, it doesn't necessarily pertain to this conversation because right. this is about an SOI. Right. If that's something that you'd like to ask, um, 
we can get that data for you about when the next match. So I think that's what's I think that's what's been just asked. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But, but it's not I relevant. I can't answer it right now because I simply wouldn't be able to give you the correct information. Okay. Thanks. All right. We good? We're good. A motion. I would move to approve the submission of the statement of interest for the Dale Street School to the Massachusetts School Building Authority as set forth in the meeting materials. Second. All those in favor? Aye. aye. Opposed? Okay. I just, um, sorry to interrupt, but we, we have to. Yeah. Yes, you absolutely you, read the you have to read the actual language for it. Do you need it? I have it here. Okay. The, the, there should be one at each of your seats. <coughs> Sorry. I only really do this once every week. I would have made you meet again this week. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for catching that. This is. Mr. All right. Chairman, I would uh, move to have. You got to read this, Pete. Read in an open meeting. <laughs> no, no, no. This one. This one right here. Here. You can. Right, Easier off the paper. Yeah. yeah. It's right there, right? All right, resolved. Having convened in an open meeting on uh, March, April uh, 26, 2020, prior to the SOI submission of closing date, the Board of Selectmen of Medfield, in accordance with its charter, bylaws, and ordinances, has voted to authorize the superintendent to submit to the Massachusetts School Building Authority a statement of interest form dated. April 29, 2029, for the Dale Street School located at 45 Adams Street, Medfield, Massachusetts, which describes and explains the following deficiencies of the property priority categories for which the app an application may be submitted to the Massachusetts School Building Authority in the future. Replacement, renovation, or modernization of school facility systems such as roofs, windows, boilers, heating and ventilation systems to increase energy conservation and decrease energy related costs in a school facility, replacement and or addition of obsolete buildings in order to provide a full range of programs consistent with state and approved local requirements and hereby further specifically acknowledges that by submitting this statement of interest form the Massachusetts School Building Authority in no way guarantees the acceptance or the approval of the application, the awarding of a grant or any other funding commitment from the Massachusetts School Building Authority or commits to the town of Medfield to filing an application for funding with the Massachusetts School Building Authority. I think there's a two missing in there, but I guess that, is that the, uh, is that the vote? It's the motion. 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 Second. Second. Doesn't have to be roll call or anything, right? It's just mm -hmm. all those in favor. Aye, aye. Aye. Opposed. Motion carries. I think we're like a pharmaceutical ad. <laughs> all right. So that's done. We now have executed our responsibility on the SOI in its entirety. I think. I hope. All right. Uh, load this stuff here okay next is a vote to approve participation in a regional grant application to the municipality to make sure you, you change this one but you see already changed yeah uh yeah vote to approve participation in a regional grant application to the municipal vulnerability program with the deposit river watershed association for a strategic plan for challenges posed by climate change and a watershed-wide flood model and there's two votes 
Vote to approve participation in the regional grant application of the Municipal Vulnerability Program with the Charles River Watershed Association for our watershed-wide flood model, regional culvert assessment, and concept designs for flood mitigation projects. Can we do these all together, all three? It's a so. single vote that I approves think, all. I okay, think that's so fine. So the third vote that's, that's tied in here is a vote to authorize the town administrator to submit partnership letters for both grant applications. So moved. Second. So, so is there any discussion? Anybody? No any questions. I've, I would. I've I've read through this. I was advised that this is the right. We would really like to do this. Yes. Yeah. So I would, and I would point out that this mm -hmm. these requests in particular came with a recommendation of the DPW director that these Correct. are good things for us to do. Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay, and they for those who get out in the in the uh, audience, each one of these comes with a ten thousand dollar. Commitment to support from the town, except that half of that can be in kind. Did I get that right? Uh, yes. Uh, the final numbers, the one for the deposit, will be twelve thousand four hundred and forty-eight. Of which half could be in kind. Uh, yeah, five thousand will be in kind. Okay. Five thousand will be cash, and we'll help them with their um, public participation with a twenty-four hundred dollar uh, cash contribution as well. The Charles River one is a thousand dollars, and that oh. can be all in kind. Wow. Yeah. That like even easy. better. I know. That was, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that, that's why we moved for the revision when that came in today. <laughs> this is good. Okay. Motion. We already moved in a second. Oh, sorry. All those in yeah. favor. All those in favor. <laughs> that's got a chuckle in the crowd. That's right. That's right. Aye. I, I'm, I'm easily distracted. Really. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed. I, I was moving choice. past Gus because I didn't want to have to read it after you'd already read it once. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, <laughs> Well, that was good. I was, I was really disappointed in that last motion. You didn't use whereas once. <laughs> uh, okay, so this proves uh, that. Um, number 10, vote to approve the Eversource Electric Vehicle Charger Site Host Agreement. You have questions. I have a lot of questions in this one. So how did this come about? That would be a good starting question, Doug. And, and the reason, so I have a neighbor who has a Tesla. So the moment I got this, I sent it off to him and said, okay, help me understand all this charging stuff and what makes sense. And and from you know the town perspective, you know, what's this all about? And, uh, and Jeff is still on, which makes me happy. Um, uh, there's, there's a concern of, okay, if it's there and somebody plugs in, who's paying for the electricity that they're drawing out of it, right? Because right now I, I believe the way it's done, the town is paying for it. Um, then the question also is, uh, the way these stations are being laid out, does it make sense? Um, are we, oh, are we putting in something that we don't need? Is it almost too powerful for what's, what's like, I'm just questioning, like, as this is coming about. Where did this come from? Are we really voting on it tonight? Are we trying to do an informational session? Get questions uh, about what's being proposed? Because this was a doozy. There's a few different pieces of okay. So to start with, we, the Eversource has what they call the Make Ready program, where they will come out and install all the necessary background support, conduits, new transformers, they will install everything so that a site is ready for somebody to come in and put in electric vehicle chargers. So Eversource 
has a financial commitment and they have people under, under contract to, that do this work all throughout the Commonwealth. So first part is, and what we're doing at this phase is saying, let's go take advantage of this program to make three sites ready in, in Medfield. The one before you is the only one under the board of selection control. The other two would be on school, pro school grounds. So those would go to the school committee if they're, um, if the school department would have to sign off on those two. So in this case, Jane's Avenue across the street, um, they will install all the necessary equipment to have the site be ready for electric vehicle chargers for up to five. The town is committed, if it approves this agreement, to install two for a five-year period. So that's, that's the charger, that's the site host agreement. The subsequent piece to that is, what do we do with it? What do we do about an electric vehicle charger? That's where the Green Communities grant application from the spring that was submitted um, secured the approval for three electric vehicle chargers. So when you think of an electric vehicle charger, it's for two spots. So we have six spots for three electric vehicle chargers, which these programs will pay for. So what we're doing is taking advantage of Eversource to have all the backend work done to put these in. The town's commitment is to go find electric vehicle chargers that it likes and install those. So it's kind of a two-step process. Um, and this is step one. Step two would be you know, how do we set up the electric vehicle charger? Are we charging for um, people to use electricity or is it free? What platform do we want to use and what model or brand of charger do we want to install? That's all within our control and to be decided once uh, we have a chance to sit down and take a look at the options that are out there. And this is something the town pay, we, we once in, Eversource does their bit, the rest is out of our pocket. The, so yes, so in theory, we could pick a electric vehicle charger that would be funded by the grant so the town won't pay any money the state will pay the money the town will be on the hook for either the electricity or uh, the software system to collect payments okay so, so, so the town isn't paying anything because we have state grant money through the right no we're not paying but, anything for the purchase of the charger correct the electricity. electricity or well, the software to collect payments depending on which route we want to go and and we may make money on it at the end of the day, in, in theory. Yeah, but, if we do the Or charges, alternatively, we won't. <laughs> yeah. Nick, can you go back? You said you, you lost me when you said there were three spots for six chargers. And I, I missed what that So meant. we'll have three. We'll, we have a grant for three separate electric vehicle charging platforms. And when you. Each so has each two, has two spots. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's six spots. Six spots. Correct. The other two sites considered are at the high school and over at Wheelock, both on school property. And those, how many site, how many parking spaces are those? Would be the same thing. Would be so here in Jane's Ave, it'll be one charger with two spots. Then over at the high school, it'll be oh, one charger with two spots. Over at Wheelock, one charger for two spots. Oh, good. Because the diagram shows like five spots. It would. I'll be. It would be ready for up to five here over at Jane's Ave. Each of them. But we're only talking about one. One charger yeah. with right. two spots here, one at the school, one at the, okay. Which differs from what we see over at Bank of America where they have, I think, is it three charging spots set up? I, I that think that sounds right, but I don't I, I think don't it's know. three. And, and, but yet not, not enough parking spaces for six cars to be there at the same time, which is goofy. <laughs> right, so, yeah. And they may have been able, they may have also used the make ready program because it's open to anybody. It's not just municipalities that can take advantage of it. Okay. So basically though, these will be open to anybody, right? Yes. 
considering that 109 is what the second, third busiest street in the state. Well, mm -hmm. And what's interesting, and so I was, I was picking my neighbor's brain on this before we came to the meeting to understand. Uh, so Good Morning America just did this thing with uh, with one of their reporters going from I think you know somewhere up north all the way down to, to Miami, and talking about having to stay somewhere for 30 minutes to attempt to to get a charge back in. My neighbor Jeff was saying you know, that certain cars will take significantly longer than that. So if you're going to dinner, let's say at the Avenue and you plug in, you're not going to get that much energy from it. The concern would be, and this is where I think, um, Nick, the idea of using the software is if someone is just going to park it, and that's parking for a town hall as well as at the Avenue, right? It's parking for every downtown business. Every, so everybody. everybody. So, yeah. so the last thing you want is someone just kind of parking and leaving for the weekend or, or whatever. That That's where you incentivize people to pay. That You can leave it there for an hour or two, maybe get that for free. But if you're going to leave it there for an extended period of time, that's when that's when having the software, in my opinion, makes sense. Because now we're going, to, we're going to charge that person. And from what my neighbor was saying, the ChargePoint app is very easy to use, very sophisticated. And you know, after an hour, you see your dashboard, it kicks in and starts charging you. So I think if the only thing I'll say tonight is if we're going forward with this, that we should have a manner in which to, to monitor those spots. So someone just can't leave it there and take off for Florida for the week and come back and know their car's ready. All right, we're gonna incentivize them to move it out. I have, I'm harder to notice than that. I, I don't see why we're paying for any electricity. So if the, if the charge point lets you say you pull in, you want to charge up, then you charge up and you, then you get charged for your charging. It, well, from what I found out tonight, I thought it was like, you know, I look at my electric bill and it can be high if I, you know, if you got your AC running or whatever. Mm -hmm. From what, and again, Nick, I'll go to you mm -hmm. and the experts on this, but I believe it's not create, like if you were to leave it on there for X number of minutes, it might be as much as maybe $5. So it's not, and I know $5 adds up, don't get me wrong. Um, but from what from what um, Jeff was educating me on is, um, like where he works, they have uh, stations up there. I, think, I forget, I think he said 10 or 20. That So they encourage employees to do that. And um, in here in town, I don't think we should be giving away for free, period. Mm -hmm. But if there's an introductory period to get people to know that it's there, to encourage people that have electric cars to maybe come downtown, there's a short window. And then maybe after the first three, six months of having it, it's not free anymore, period. Well, so my view is a little different. That That's first off, you have 300 miles range on, on a charge. So people who live in town, who happen to come downtown, probably can make it home to their own <laughs> charger without too much difficulty. So so the issue for me is, are you know, basically people who can afford to buy Teslas can charge up for free. Are we going to have a are we going to have a, a parallel amenity for because the taxpayers pay for that? Mm, no, so I maybe can't. what we should have is both free charging, but we could also have free blue rhino tank exchanges for the people who don't have electric vehicles. So that it, we just kind of put, we put it all we put it all, so my point my point is this is one of the most regressive policies I can think of to basically throw the burden of, of cost. And maybe it's only $5, but all the more reason, if that's all it is, yeah. then it's more like a parking meter. You just come in and you use it. I'm um, not opposed to that, don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. I, I thought it was gonna be more like if you plugged in, it was like 30 right. or 40 bucks. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's well, a lot. Yeah, I, I don't think you should, I don't think, the, I, you know, whether we make, I'm not trying to make money on this. I'm just saying I don't see a good reason why taxpayers should subsidize yeah. a small group of people that have electric vehicles by giving them a free charge. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I didn't understand, Nick, and maybe it's got to do with how many of these we're trying to put in, but I would have expected for some place like that, we would go with a quick charge 
rather than the four hour. This this thing, the terms of the contract basically say you have to promise that you've got people who can stay here for four hours. So that tells me this charge is like a four hour charge where there's this other version that's a quick charge. And if given that this is a public place, yeah, you know, I'm gonna go into Avenue, I'm gonna go run an errand into the town hall, or I'm gonna go shop at, at the you know brothers. It seems to me it's the quick charge that we ought to be having for people that would be convenient. We'd still pay, still gonna pay for it, but you get more people cycling through it, it would mm -hmm. be more useful. So I was confused how the decision was made not to do that. Contract requires, if it's quick charge, I think it's between one and three from the two. And if it's not, it's between two and 10 or two and 12. So it-, it Yeah, that's, that's right. I'm looking at that section now. Yeah. So I, I'm sitting there, well, how do, why don't we do the quick charge, which is probably what people really need, especially in a place like this, where a lot of people are coming in and out. The other question I have- I think that's a, a that was that wasn't a decision anybody made. That was EverSource's. Oh, that's their yeah. that's their terminology. I don't know if that's what they don't want to build out electricity for to meet the demands. I I can't comment on that piece of it. But that wasn't something we we didn't go to them and say it's going to. We be didn't a make a choice. Limit. We can talk to Penny and see. I mean, I, we can just, we can follow you know, up with as Penny. It, but... Literally, as a matter of convenience, if you're trying to make it possible for people to charge up their cars. So Jeff, who actually owns a Tesla, who's very knowledgeable in this, has mm -hmm. raised his hand. Thank you. Maybe Jeff can come on and tell us about this. <laughs> May I speak? Yeah, he keeps trying. Good. I should yeah. let you watch this thing. Yes, Jeff, you <laughs> well, can. I invited him Jeff to this meeting. I wanted him to. Jeff Hyman. Glad you should be coming. Well, I told him. I'm like, raise your hand. You, you, you can chime in on this. Your first-hand knowledge. Obviously, it's short term Can you hear me? There we go. Hi, Jeff. It's a good conversation talking about electric vehicles. So I've owned a couple of vehicles for 12 years. And I am also a commission member on the Zero Emissions Vehicle Commission for the state of Massachusetts. We've been on that for about four years. There is an incentive for states, there are 11 states through a memo of understanding to get, in, in specifically for Massachusetts, 300,000 electric vehicles on mass roads by 2025. So there is this sort of statewide um, initiative along these other states. And I think what everybody's saying is true. Uh, through incentives and grants, um, the Massachusetts Electric Vehicle Incentive Program will pay for 100% uh, for, for, for charging stations. stations. And uh, it, it sounds, sounds like, like our utility is going to pay for the infrastructure, infrastructure. Uh, but, but you know, for, for government, government property, property, you can't charge 100 percent So one thing we have, we have to understand, understand that's very clear. These are not parking spaces. They are charging spaces. So they are really there for people to charge and move along. And, 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 and as, as, I, uh, as, as was stated, stated the software that, uh, that companies that make charging stations, uh, it's easy to use. There's dashboards. You can you can you can have it free for 30 minutes or an hour, and then you can charge after that. And you can customize it. It all goes through the credit card. 
it gets, it gets paid, paid to, to the, the charge station, station owner. So that, that's, that's important for, for discussion. discussion. For me, for me it's, it's, it comes, comes down, down to, to um, the, the choice. choice. So, so a level, a level two, two charging station, station is the most, most popular charging station out there. there. And that, and that, that, that provides, provides about 10, 10 to upwards of 20 miles per hour of charging. Um, the infrastructure is simply going to direct uh, current um, fast, fast charging system that requires a lot more infrastructure. And that's, that's meant to be used for 20 minutes, minutes but that's, that's not how it would be used necessarily at a school or at a restaurant, restaurant you know, you know, in the parking, parking lot. lot. You know, those, you know, those are usually what people will use that, that, that charging station for a couple of hours. And then if the software alerts that driver, hey, you're all you're charged up or you need to move because there's a set limit that can be set. So, so there's variety of ways to I think obviously you're not going to right now, I don't believe, but it, it will be important to involve people that um, certainly know it to, to make sure that we do the right thing. The last thing is parking the spaces, spaces. charging spaces. spaces. So the way it works is they make a dual station or a single station. You buy a dual station, picture it like a parking meter with two cables that come off of it. Those two cables feed four parking spaces. For so what you're doing is you're moving cables and not cars. Let's say it's at school. And let's say four, four staff have cars that are electric. Two people are charging. When they're finished, that's all the drivers are doing. When they're done, when they're up, then people can just move the cables. That's how it works. So you want to make sure you don't build a station and don't provide enough charging spaces to park. So there's some things I think about, about I'd be, I'd be happy, happy to participate So Jeff, the diagrams we've got here, I, I kind of, the location, if we were gonna do it on Jane's Avenue, the location at the parking lot where it's been targeted, that sort of made sense to me. That because you don't want to put it way off in the back corner, but you don't want to put it as you know the the two site the two spaces next to the handicapped spaces in the front row either. So that made right. sense. But the but it's the back row of the parking lot. Like when you say that two cables will serve four cars, that sounds like it's a double row, where you have two cars in one row and then two cars on the other side. In the other row, so you need a double row in order to get to all four cars. So so so, so there's two, two ways. ways to do it. One, is, one is no. Actually, actually I, saw I saw the location and I see the four spaces in the. In the, in the diagram, diagram. In I, saw I saw the side, side diagram. Diagram. And, and what, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, is those four spaces could be served by one dual, dual, dual charge, right? Because it's so two, two of In other words, there's one pole post that's in the ground, you've got two cables that come off of it, and that can be, you know, the first two cars towards the center, and the two other cars, because the cables are 25 feet long, and they have that. You know, the mechanism that allows them kind of like, like a, almost, almost like a gas, gas right? Um, I think I that think location is fine, and I think it's chosen because the infrastructure will come from the pole. Yeah. Um, yep. Ultimately, if you have if you had an opportunity 
for example, a school parking location, you would want to put it on an island or, or serve, because then you can have eight spaces. You know, it depends on how much, you know, how much infrastructure you want to put in. It's just, just more costly for more stations, more chargers. And you can just make sure that it's efficient. All I'm saying is, we have, we have 20, 20, we have 10, 10 stations, stations 2K, cables, so that's 20, 10, 10 dual chargers. chargers. And, and each, each, each dual is served is served four, four parking spaces. spaces. So, so four people park, park, and then you can just do the cables. It just makes, makes it more efficient. So the, so the, the, lot, the proposed layout for this one has two dual charging stations but they're only serving a total of four parking spaces. So, so I, would I would call, call that, that generous, generous right? right? So, so everybody, everybody gets, gets to charge. And then, then you know what I mean? Like, uh, like okay. it's not efficient for other yeah. drivers, right? Yep. So, so what I'm, what saying, I'm saying is, is two, two duels can serve eight spaces. spaces. Got it. Because okay. especially in a workplace. Right? right, so, so it's, it's a school day. day. You know what I'm saying? saying? You can have four cars parked. Park. Yep. Or, or, you know what I'm saying? saying? Like, like, yeah. That's yeah. just generous. Everybody, Everybody gets a table. table. But normally, normally what we see is, is, is a, the program, program allows, allows people, people to, to, it's called wait list. It tells you you're charged, and then, you know, somebody else is on. You know, you just connect your cable and somebody else is plugged in. It's just a more efficient way to. Charge one vehicle with less So, uh, okay. So the other question, policy question that occurs to me is, let's for a second, it's, it looks like this diagram shows four parking spaces in the James Avenue lot become the charging, the electric vehicle charging spaces. And my next question was, and do those electric vehicle charging spaces take on the status of handicapped spaces except for electric vehicles? Because we've had multiple discussions about the absence of parking downtown, and this is effectively taking four spaces out of circulation for all non-electric vehicles in town, which is the vast majority of vehicles here in town. Well, unless unless anybody can park there, and if you just you know people maybe know that they won't <coughs> deliberately park there if they can park somewhere else, but if there's no other place to the park. The prohibition. I just happened to park at the bank when I came up here, yeah. and it basically says no parking, charging only. Right. So that's my point. Is so the other aside from the cost issue, which perhaps is nominal. Uh, and I'll, the reason I care about that is because I doubt these are the last charging stations we'll see in Medfield. Oh, so when you start know. down this path, at some point, you wind up having to divert off. So I have a philosophical issue and I have a practical issue there. But on the parking side, we've had several discussions about absence of parking. And now we're taking spots out of circulation except for electric vehicles. And I'm I not will, sure that's really representing. I will tell you. No, no, no. Don't, yeah. don't, be, don't be fooled. November 15th, when I stood out yep. uh, and, and watched that, the school vote, yep. I was like, oh my God, there are so many Teslas in Medfield. It's insane. There were so many that came through. It's deceiving how many that are out there. Okay. So well, that's I, actually good to know because I feel better about it knowing. Oh, it's not just three. I mean, I, I 
you guys, there were a ton of Teslas. It blew my mind. Well, those I was aren't like, the Whoa. only electric vehicles either. Right, because you got the Volt yeah. and you got all the other yeah. ones. So I was like, oh my God, we've got more electric vehicles than I would have thought in Medfield. And if they're Which coming to vote, then we know they're Medfield. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I knew they're Medfield, exactly. <laughs> so if that, if that population is high, then I'm more inclined to experiment to see what happens here. I'm still, I still would like straight charging. And one of the reasons that that would be good is that would give us a sense of demand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, handicap spots that are open. I understand why that's important. If I go to, I couldn't, I couldn't fit in the parking lot tonight. I would have been here two minutes earlier if I didn't have to go <laughs> all the way over. Now we're going to take four more spots out of there. As it is, that parking lot fills up. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm less concerned about it if it really is the town employees go there. But again, if it, you're not supposed to park there and just use it as a parking space, then right. it all gets a little confused for me. Well, and I think again, you know, uh, Jeff can certainly confirm. Like the the charge is the charge point. Is he still Jeff? He's still on. Charge, charge point. point. Yeah, charge. So the, if there are ways to incent people, you can't park there, even though you're you're, you're yeah. maxed out. Yeah. You can stay on there all you want. You're just going to hit with a, a higher right. nominal fee. Right. You know. So that well, that's I mean, the most expensive parking space in the yeah. state of Massachusetts. Yeah. To, to, Jeff, to Jeff's point about it being a charging station, it's like okay, how do you enforce that with somebody who pulls in there? Uh, so, so, so something, something that something that's important is when, when people are when people join charge point. point. In, other in other words, to use, use the station, station most, most people, people join. You have, you to, have join to join with a credit card. card. Mm -hmm. and, and and then and people, people understand, understand that when they go to use the charging station, the first thing that any driver would do is press the information button, and it tells you very transparently. What is, what is the cost, if any? any? Um, how, how does it work? work? That, that kind of thing. thing. So, so usually, usually people would know. And it would have a message that would say, hey, you know, this is, for example, this is free for the first hour, and then you're going to pay X amount for every hour you're out, right? And some charging station owners, you know, they won't be able to charge you more. But if you stay there, you could get blocked with, you know, five bucks an hour. And, you know, that, that incentivizes people to essentially use it as a courtesy and then move on. You know, in, in a public space, like, like the park. A school, that's a workplace. There's usually some, you know, uh, mutual respect and understanding among EV drivers. And I will say, you know, Tesla, Tesla is um, got, got, got the EV thing, thing going, going, and it is massive. Right, massive. Massive. General, General Motors is not going to pay gas-powered gas cars, cars by 2030. That's their goal, right? right? So, so this is here to stay, and the incentive is to kind of get everybody thinking, because you can get a Nissan with incentives for about $22,000, $20,000. You know, which, which is, is more reasonable. reasonable. And the, the state, state is definitely, definitely looking to find ways, ways to um, make it equitable for everybody. Mm -hmm. so, so it's mm -hmm. just, you're incentivized to get us moving in the electric direction. That's kind of what this seems to be about. But you can, you have lots of flexibility how you charge what's free, when it's free, and when it's not. Jeff, you, you said the Type 2 chargers are the most popular by far, and I can see in the school parking lots with people that are there, you know, for a school day, that if, if it takes an hour to get 10 or 20 miles on your charge, I can see why if you're somewhere like it during the school day that you're going to leave it there for a long time. 
Is there a reason why, when I think of a Jane's Avenue parking lot, I picture people that are moving in and out. The ones that go to dinner at Avenue, okay, they're gonna be there for somewhere between an hour and two hours. But the people going to Brothers, maybe they're there for half an hour, or the people walking into Town Hall to get something done are there for half an hour. It still seems to me like behind the town, you know, the Jane's Avenue parking lot, those rapid chargers, just as a practical matter, would be a more attractive option. Of course, I would have said the same thing with the banks. They would have, you know, it's like, why did you bother? Mm. <laughs> I want to go make a deposit. I'm here for 10 minutes. And I guess they, I just picked up a mile on my, on my range. Um, is there any reason why, or maybe Nick, you know why. I mean, it's in the contract. I wouldn't even know these things were an option, except the contract has it. That if you do the rapid charger, you know, it's a different rule. Is there any reason why we wouldn't want to do that, assuming that we could get grants that cover the cost, whatever that cost happens to be? Um, if, if I, I answer, answer the question, question. Um, so, so it, can, it, it takes, takes as little as 15 minutes, 20 minutes to charge up a, a, a Tesla, Tesla vehicle, vehicle, you know, you know um, and that, that, that can, can be quite a bit large in that amount of time. time. Uh, uh, for, for other cars with similar mile, lower range, you know, it can be even faster. The question is, um, if, if somebody, somebody plugs, plugs in, in how, how long are they going to stay there, right? Mm -hmm. So the so frustration, frustration comes with other people thinking, oh, that car's car already charged up, up, as you can you see it on the screen. screen. You know, yeah, and then people get frustrated. frustrated. So, so I, I, don't I don't think, think it's, it's a bad thing. You certainly, certainly could have, you know, that's called direct you know, high voltage whatever. It's not as popular because People tend to, you know, you know like you said, park a couple of hours or they're at a workplace. Um, so you're so right, right. It, it depends on the location. If that were in a brother's parking lot, for example, and somebody's going in for 20 minutes, tops, 30 minutes, then maybe that makes more sense. But I'm not, not, I'm not sure if you park across the street. Maybe it's a geographical. Problem as well. So the level, level two is considered a pretty fast charge. I'm always nowhere near the level three. So it just depends on the location. All right. I'm not sure about that, but you know, workplace, you're right. Okay. It's just something to be considered. You know. Yep. With you know, people have to decide together and make an exercise. Jeff, thank you. Thank, from my standpoint, thank you very much for the insight. Thanks, Jeff. Um, any other comments? Nope, I think that was that was helpful. Very helpful. No, I think the. Uh, I, I guess. So, Nick, you're the. Are you the proponent of this being on our agenda? I would defer that to the Energy Committee. Just carrying well, their water for the evening. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess that maybe I should ask it a different way. What do you think? I, I mean, this location obviously makes sense. I think we can continue to have the conversation about how it will be set up once, um, it, the intention in talking to Susan McPhee was she has started to compile a list of options 
um, with the pros and cons. So we should have that um, in the next couple of weeks okay. for consideration for the next step. Just speaking for myself, just in light of this discussion around two, you know, two parking spaces for charging versus four, I would basically like to know for sure what we're dealing with. You know, your point about the number, I actually would like to know what the number of electric vehicles here in town is. Because if there's a significant number of electric vehicles where I would actually think that we would see two or four spaces constantly occupied, I would feel a little differently than what I feel when I go almost everywhere that has these charging stations where most of them are empty. Uh, and because because we're pressed for convenient parking spaces, maybe not total parking mm -hmm. spaces, but convenient parking spaces, I would rather not go down a path that takes parking spaces out of circulation, but actually doesn't do anything. Right. Um, well, do we have to do this tonight or can we do a little well, more homework like and find out? We don't have to do it tonight. This is yeah. kind of a discussion. Right? Well, I know Penny's been working on the application to get Eversource for the make ready. Is there a time frame? I don't have that? a good answer on that. Okay. I, we can circle back, I think, in two weeks without We're, too much we're seeing a lot of one another over the next couple of weeks. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> yes. I mean, the issue of charging, I think, has to get figured out. What, what, what we're going to do on that, we should have an answer for that rather than just say, just yeah and, uh, yeah i think there will be no point in time in the future that people say you know you've been giving me a lot of free free electricity i think it's time for me to pay my way that ain't going to happen mm -hmm. and and the issue i really have like if the schools want to do it free because they see an education value or they want to make it easy for teachers or whatever that's a different issue yeah but as a town i if what jeff said and i think he's right there if, if, if there's not a lot of electric vehicles now. There will be a lot of electric vehicles mm -hmm. in the foreseeable future, which means there will be more and more charging stations. And it's suddenly you'll wind up with more and more charging stations. So the policy that we adopt now for how we deal with that, I think is going to be a policy that it gets more and more awkward to back off of mm -hmm. if you don't get this straight right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I Philosophically, I have a problem with saying, well, we want people to buy electric vehicles, so we're going to charge taxpayers to subsidize the, the fuel that people with electric vehicles need. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't, I, I'm not particularly interested in gouging people, so it's not like charge them and let's see what we can make money. I'm just saying, if we're not going to buy the fuel for everybody, yeah. then there's no good reason for non-electric vehicle owning taxpayers to subsidize electric vehicle taxpayers. And it should be a big deal because it's a minor charge. Well, I think what, what Nick is telling us, uh, Gus, is that we don't have to make that decision tonight, that we can decide that decision later, that we can decide we can charge the public for it. Well, I'm not sure we can why give we it away. Decide. I'm not sure why. I, I understand we don't have to decide. I'm saying, what would we know down the road that we can't decide right now? What is it? Is there any negative? to making clear what our policy is on that going into this? Because I can say that there will be a built-in constituency that won't want to do this somewhere down the road at an unspecified time in the future. So I would say that the agenda item for tonight was to agree to the location services. Okay. I would feel uncomfortable with you voting and creating a policy unless we notified everybody that we were going to be discussing that specific good, policy. Good. Okay. So, yeah. so I think the location, I'm Makes okay sense. with the location. Yep. Okay. The only, the only, I, I am okay with the location. The only other location that jumped out at me as a potential one, and it probably isn't near a pole, would be the library parking lot. 
the we library. don't own the library parking lot. No. Yeah. So no. that's that's well, that's, that that's a different discussion for yeah. But you end can, of summer. But, but you can, <laughs> I can I can picture how that would be almost a more convenient place centrally located in town that would make sense. Yep. Yeah. But I, I but I don't have a problem with doing it here. I don't have a problem with doing it as a as a you know it's a pilot if you will mm -hmm. that just kind of gives us information about how it's used and stuff like that. So I would recommend that if, if you're in favor of, and you're okay with the site of signing and agreeing to, to do the site host agreement and then have the energy come in, committee come in to talk to you about their thoughts on policy and have that discussion. That. Okay. I'd like, I would like that nailed down because I'm not confident of where that conversation is going to go. Okay. So if we're going to agree to this, the other piece about the site agreement here is I would like clarity is there two parking spaces? Is it four? What is the actual? Sure. How many sites? How many parking spaces? Yeah, I was just trying to track that down. I, yeah. When we had originally talked about, we had always told them we were applying for three chargers townwide. You know, one for here, and they may have they may have just added the second thinking we wanted it. I didn't notice that. I looked at it, saw one park, two parking spots, and just kept going. I didn't notice. Well, and if Jeff was right. We only would need one of those right. to be able to serve four, four spots. But right. the problem I have is then you're designating four spots that have two right. spots. What's that? Hmm? It may depend on the charging environment. Uh, Maybe even that. I, don't know. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm saying, yeah. I mean, uh, Jeff was describing a charger that he's familiar with mm -hmm. and his cable is long enough to reach four different mm -hmm. No, what he was explaining to me tonight before the meeting is that, because uh, I said, like, is, do they have different adapters? He's like, the, the charger station twos are generic and then tesla has a unique one that, that you just put an adapter on so um so he he read this and he saw what they were putting I, in i just i'm just suggesting that someone may not supply that charger with a 25-foot cable if somebody's only buying it for one location mm -hmm. or two cars that's, yeah. that's a possibility but the cables okay so nick this would be a question are are the are the cables that the host site responsibility we all that all that EverSource is doing is building out the right. infrastructure. So then we so would then have, we, we would charge, buy the, the charge. We buy the charger. Okay. They buy the they put in the infrastructure. Yeah, you install okay. it. And that's yeah. covered under so the green communities grant. Okay. okay. Hey, Christine, the, the issue. I know I'm being hard nosed here, nope, but the thing is, I don't really understand why this is a policy decision we can't come to. And I do know that people who want more electric vehicles, their position is going to be no, make it free. No. Because no, that will no, promote more electric vehicles. And I'm saying, but there's a lot of people in town that are paying tax. You know, the transfer of money is a big issue for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree uh, with that at all. I don't understand why that's not a policy decision we can't make up front. So why don't we touch base? I know the Energy Committee is meeting Thursday. So maybe, Pete, you can rec talk to them about this conversation. We can find out from Penny when this site agreement needs to be signed by. And then we can schedule a meeting with them to come before you, okay. depending yeah. on that. Yeah. But the basic idea of trying to do it to get those there to you know learn more about it to begin yep. to you know begin to deal with you know how do you actually support this as it goes on it's as a, as an experimental first shot I'm on board and that's not a bad location and it's in my view it's the right spot in the parking lot to put them. So Gus, are you ready to have a motion on this, or do you want no. to hold a, off on? Or do you do you want do you need a motion to approve the location? I mean, if you want that. I, I would think oh. the motion would be to sign the contract. Yep. And well, yeah. I'm not ready for that. Oh, okay. So. It would actually, just as a point of clarification, if if EverSource is willing to build out, if EverSource is willing to build it out for 
two charge ports, total four spots. Is the board okay with that? Or do you want to limit to two parking spots for now? And we'll tell them just to revise their plan. We would want them to build it out as much as they can, and then we'll use whatever we thought we'd use. I disagree. Uh, I, I, I'd like to think about that. Okay, to, that's fairness, fair. In fairness, I'd like to think about it. The, the, the reservation I have is the, you just take four more spots, you're taking four spots out of the you're, parking you're, lot. No, because you're, you're just going to use two, and then you're going to make a decision about the other two later. No, because you're if you bought one station, if I heard Jeff correctly, if we do one box, right. four cars feed off of that. Right. Or they can. Yes. So so, so we're gonna buy we're gonna buy one charging unit that for, that'll go with two spaces, but we'll have the infrastructure going to another spot that can do another two spaces, but we're not gonna buy a box for that one. If I we're heard on. Jeff correctly, and again I can I'll be chatting with him tomorrow. That one box, even though you think it's just two coming out, it's actually four coming out because you can you can have two cables going left and right. No, what, no? that's not what you said. What you okay. said was you have like you get gas pump. Think yeah. about a gas pump. Yeah, right. a car pulls up on either side. <laughs> I think we can clarify all of this if we yeah. come back in a couple of weeks okay. with, yeah. with just, designs. Just, and just quickly, so you could pull up a one gas pump with one hose, yeah. 15 foot or 20 foot hose, and it could serve a car on either right. side. Right. And I think that's what he was saying. So what would right. happen is you'd have, to, you'd have the one station with two cables coming out of it that are right. 15, 20 feet long. A car pulls up and charges right in front of it. And then that charge finishes it. You pull the cord out of that one and plug it into the. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes. It's more like the recycling That's what he bins said. at yeah. the transfer station. There's one. There's one door on each side, but there's two parking spaces, <laughs> and you just have to carry the stuff in to throw that same door. Right. Yeah. That's that's the, I now I hear what you saying. That's what he said. Turns. You can't both be thrown in at the same time. He's <laughs> right. All right. Okay. I think that was progress. Perhaps not as much as envisioned, but that was progress. Uh, Good. Uh, continued. Vote to approve agreements with Solar Energy Development for the Town Garage, Power Purchase Agreement, Lease Agreement, and Pilot Agreement. Delete. Yes. We are going to hold that for now. No, I was going to say, I didn't see that. Nope, we're not ready for that this evening. Not that I don't want to keep talking about this. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Citizen comment? I have nobody signed up for citizen comment. Nobody signed up for that. Uh, consent agenda. We have Medfield Garden Club requests placing signs in the usual locations in the week prior to the annual plant sale on Saturday, May 14th. Excellent. Memos 2022 Summer Concert Series on Thursdays at 6 p.m. from June 16th to August 18th at the gazebo in the park outside the library. Requesting uh, the authorization to hang a banner announcing the concert series across Main Street back to the park around June 4th through the last concert. Memos 2022 Discover Medfield Day for the 42nd year, Saturday, September 4th from 9 to 3, requesting uh, use of town-owned land at Meeting House Pond area and portions of North and Ferry Streets and Upham Road. Uh, also a common viddler license, also hanging a banner announcing the Discover Medfield Day across Main Street as Baxt at Baxter Park around August 20th through Discover Medfield Day. And I would point out that in the letter that Russ Hallisey sent us, he request, he pointed out that in the past, the board has graciously waived the $50 application fee for the common Biddler's license. 
Uh, and he doesn't explicitly ask us to do it again. He says, however, if the fee is required, please let me know and I'll forward payment to you. But I'm guessing he's still hoping that we will be gracious this year as we have been in the past. Um, he's also indicated that they are requesting written permission of all the other private property owners that we would normally do for Medfield Day. And uh, they're going to get a certificate of insurance. And for some reason, I thought there was, maybe that was it. I was thinking there was one more thing in that letter. Let me just take I guess that was it. So I think the, so that's the consent. And I think there's one more. There's, there. there's one more. And just for clarification, this was the one from the first parish church. Um, yep. They have clarified that. I had a conversation with them. They are not anticipating using Main Street. They made a mistake when they filled uh, filled out the email. Okay. Uh, it is North Street, and they are only intending the sidewalks. That, yeah, there's so, no problem. Yep. There's no problem. Okay. So, uh, with the understanding that the Medfield Day, unless you to tell me not, I'm going to suggest the Medfield Day request includes us waiving the $50 Common Vittler's fee. Yeah, as a new selectman, I don't want to go rocking the boat on There you that. go. Well, <laughs> I, I, I would guide well, you to not. That's <laughs> 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 yeah, fine. Okay. <laughs> then I'll, <laughs> I'll entertain a motion. And are we that. including the uh, uh, 15 and 16 in this, Gus? 50, uh, 50, oh, Trevor. shoot. Wait a minute. Hold on. There's 16. I, I, I'm still Medfield working up. Uh, sorry. Yeah, thank you, Pete. Yeah. yeah, so, so the... We're including 15. First Parish UU Church of Medfield requests a parade permit for May 25th at 7.30 p.m. for anti-racist candlelight vigil to take place around Meeting House Pond, Ferry Street, and North Street sidewalks. Uh, and then the last one is Medfield Community Covered requests approval to post signs in the usual locations for the postal drive being held on May 14th, 2022. Signs would be posted on May 9th and removed on May 15th. Well, I would move the consent agenda with the understanding that I think it's the Medfield food covered, not the community covered. That's asking. Oh, uh, you're right. There's food covered, right? Yeah. Good catch. Have a second. Uh, they're waiting for your second on the consent agenda. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Carries. Good. What comment? Uh, oh, does Jeff want to clarify something? Okay, I think we're switching back over to the, the electric vehicle charger for a minute. Go ahead, Jeff. You're there. If you can get him there. He's left the meeting. He's not in the meeting at all anymore. Hey, Joe, okay. Man. We, we, I can follow. He, he won't even give us five minutes. He's <laughs> not going to bring me up when I ask to be brought up. Then the heck with you. Okay. Uh, next item is meeting minutes. I am only prepared to approve two. March 15th and March 22nd, 2022. I'm only ready to do one, the one I was involved in. So I'm good with the fifth. The fifth. I'll, the fifth. Oh, of April. Okay. Fifth of April. I'm not ready for that one. <laughs> How about you, Pete? I, I'm all set on all 15. I made edits uh, to all of them. You dog. Okay. <laughs> it took a long time. It did. <laughs> all right. So the only two that we, so um, the only two that I'm prepared to vote approval on that you don't have to because you weren't here right. is May 15th and May 22nd. I had March 1st as that one that I sent back. And if that's been redone, 
That was the one that was the mess. Yeah, it hasn't been finished yet. So that one's yep. still a red. Gus, I think you just said May 15th. And did you mean March, March 15th, March 22nd, 2022. So moved. Second. Okay. No, you can no, say. No. Second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, so those those two at least went away. I was counting on Pete to be like still behind me in the race, but all right. I've been doing a lot of reading this week. It's just not minutes. Uh, town administrator update. Uh, just a reminder that town meeting is Monday at seven o'clock at the high school. And if you can bring your warrant report with you, we would appreciate it. Okay. Is there a selectman's meeting posted before that? We, we, we'll, need yet, to, we will. Uh, we'll need to. We'll need to. There'll be a meeting. <clears throat> yep. That just kind of came up today. Yeah. We usually typically post one just in case there's any last minute things. Yep. Uh, next meeting date's the town meeting. It's Christine just covered it. Our next meeting date is May 10th. So we're meeting on the second Tuesday because of the town meeting. May 18th is the Medfield State Hospital information system with Trinity Financial. So that's they're coming in on that one. May 24th is our second uh, Board of Selectmen's meeting next week, next month. Uh, selectmen reports. All right. So I had a chance to meet with Bill uh, Friday afternoon. We, he gave me thorough background on everything that's gone on in the, the area where they're doing the dig out right now, the, the Charles River uh, dig out. So I very much appreciate it. That was a solid two, two and a half hours of, um, and then I walked to State Hospital the next day and I was sharing that knowledge with people like standing on the mound. Thank you for staying awake. Thank you. No, no. It was, it was it can be boring though. <laughs> no, so I, so I appreciate that. And then uh, this afternoon I had a chance to uh, meet with Chief Clerico. Mm -hmm. And um, I always hack up his name. I apologize for that. As he said, I can call him Bill. Okay, there you um, go. Bill. So, but no, I mean, <laughs> such a nice man. Um, I have a better understanding of his department, what's happening. Um, great tour of the facility. Um, met uh, a couple of the folks uh, that were on today. Uh, so just wildly impressed. Uh, it was a great opportunity. And then, and then I happened to have something going on in front of my house last week. So I had a <coughs> police officer I had a chance to get to know and. My mission is, as I go around to introduce and get to know fire staff, firemen, firewomen, and um, police officers. Okay. Very good. Pete. Uh, the Metro Foundation Legacy Fund uh, group met, and uh, that's about it for me. And I've been, uh, I've already reported everything. Meeting with the moderator on Sunday, uh, meeting with Jess and Jeff this afternoon, meeting with Sharon. Tetro, last night, uh, State Hospital Development Committee meeting tomorrow night, Medfield Outreach Strategic Planning meeting Thursday morning, and I'm actually meeting with Kathy McDonald tomorrow, tomorrow morning just to catch up. So I've, between reading a lot of things and meeting with a lot of people, the dance card's been pretty full this week. That's all I've got to report. And you, you guys have. A, are you going to the Warren Committee meeting, or are you going to this? Because I unfortunately am out of town tomorrow. Night. So, so the Warren Committee is meeting tomorrow night. The Development Committee is meeting tomorrow night. Sharon Tatro thinks that the Development Committee is meeting with the Warren Committee tomorrow night. The agenda for the Development Committee wasn't clear about that, so I think we are at eight o'clock, except that. That's only because Sharon told me she thought we were, and I had no reason to. I invited. I, Todd was planning to come. So. Yeah, he was going to give his presentation to them. That she he... sent out a message with respect to the uh, the Tommy Warren articles that it was only an hour from seven to eight because the state hospital was coming in at eight. 
Right. It's just that I didn't see that reflected in the development committee agenda. I, I, I think that's all right. I'm just saying yeah, no, I, don't. I couldn't independently confirm that. And then Bill Thursday night is the Zoom PIP meeting, which is what I'm planning to do. Mm -hmm. I think that's what you're planning to do. Uh, so this has been five nights in a row that something's going on. And that's it. I think that's it. Yes. Anything else? Right. No, that's it. Motion to adjourn. Move to adjourn. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Good. We're closed. We're done. <laughs>